Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Teachers here who are being paid for the Department of Education. And they're going to pay tribute to yourself and the team. That's what's going to solve the line here. I expect the parents to boycott their children's GAT. We're being hit with energy increases, with inflationary increases, left, right, and center. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Good morning to you. Monday morning, the 9th of January. Uh, not starting this morning in the way that we would want to with something lively and something happy and something positive to start the first real week if you like of the new year so many people kind of getting back properly into their routine after the weekend and not the way we would want to be opening the show is listening to something like this and remembering a wonderful man and here there's an opportunity, it broke out, here comes the loss, the loss! Well I tell you one thing, a man turned his backside to it, well I tell you he need a bit of soda cream tonight, after that quiff of a hurley into the rear end. Oh God rest your party. We, we all have two families in, in this business, we have our own family and we have our radio family and we as a radio family this morning are mourning the passing of a much loved, respected uh, and warmly thought of colleague for many, many years standing. I would have known Paddy since he came into uh, 96FM and C103. Of course, he was based at C103, but I had him on here over the years once or twice. Our uh, station director, Kieran McGeary, joins me. Kieran, we are, we, we are a family in mourning for, for one, of our, one of our greats. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I agree with you there. Um, you, you know, the news that we woke up to yesterday morning was not the news that any of us wanted to hear. Uh, we'd obviously been aware of, of Paddy's situation um, and we were very hopeful that uh, he would make a, a recovery and that, you know, we would look forward to the days of, of hearing him back um, commentating again. Uh, unfortunately, that's not to be. Um, but it's, uh, I suppose, if you look yesterday at the uh, the, the outpouring of, of tributes and, and so on mm-hmm. uh, across social media, for example, and indeed uh, the, the uh, contacts with, with both 96FM and C103 from people, it shows 
how popular Paddy was and how widely his passing is being felt. You know, you had everyone um, from on Taoiseach uh, to national sports broadcasters like Marty Morrissey yeah. and Jackie Hurley all paying tribute to him, along with uh, the wide uh, GAA community across Cork City and yeah. County. Because he was respected um, all over the country, Kieran. He knew, yeah. he he was known to every radio station, he was known in every stadium, every major stadium in the country. Absolutely. I mean, a, a number of reasons for that. Number one, uh, you know, he's been uh, commentating for, for, for three decades uh, on our radio station. Um also, I think it's the the nature of of his commentaries. You played a clip there, and that, and that's the, 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 that um, clip of commentary. I think is how I will always remember Pawdy. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a rogue, um, you, you know, and uh, but but very entertaining, um, uh, very entertaining commentary. But also, he was a man who always did his homework and and knew the facts and figures about uh, all the teams. And uh, even, you know, I heard somebody say yesterday, uh, he he knew all the townlands, for example, that, that, that the players um, uh, were from, and he'd know a bit of history about them. So you didn't only know that the player... Uh, was was you know that wearing the number ten jersey or whatever, you, 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 you knew you got a bit of background into into the player as well, and mm. and and I think that was um, uh, that was one of his his unique mm. um, facets, and 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 the the other thing, PJ, is uh, he, he was well known and universally liked because he was a lovely man, mm. and I know that 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 term can be used an awful lot when when people pass away but it is correct and accurate to use it in terms of body palmer he was uh, a, a wonderful man who was always in good humor um he liked uh, to to have a bit of fun and uh, any time i was in his company i always enjoyed being in yeah. his company always always kieran thank you very much uh, kieran mcgeary chief executive here at 96 fm and indeed uh, c103 i'm joined now by um I think it's fair to say not just his, not just colleague, but but I would imagine that over the years, Finbar quite Finbar McCarthy, GA correspondent of ninety six, quite a close friend. Good morning, morning PJ, and uh, like here, it is terribly sad news. I've known and worked with Party for over thirty years, and we've had we had great crack together in press boxes, travelling in cars, at matches, no matter where we be. As Ken said, he was just apart from his knowledge of the GA, he was a lovely, lovely man. And I made a point to Barry O'Reilly yesterday. I don't want to get in anywhere in the world, and there's not too many people can say that because mm. everywhere he went, he was loved and he had a word for everyone. Bit of a rogue is, is probably one way of describing him, but <laughs> a lovable rogue. And you know, I, I when I when I got the news yesterday from Barry and the lads and they rang me, as you know, PJ, I'm away on holidays. Um, Listen, I was so, so so sad, and yeah. then when I looked at my phone, the number of messages that were coming through from people in the media world, in the GA world, in all sorts of walks of life, I, I just couldn't comprehend it. My phone never stopped all day, and that's yeah. testimony to the man that was Paddy Palmer. Yeah. What I loved particularly, and we've all listened to the national commentaries and all of that, but I'm sure you'll agree with me, Finbar, what I loved was tuning in, in maybe the summertime, to some little county match that wasn't a big deal but Paddy was there in full flight that's I think when he came into his own 
Yeah, local knowledge, PJ. You know, Joseph from Cork. The, the world is a small place, and Cork is a lot smaller than the world. But he knew everyone. He knew everything about everyone. And you know, I, I heard his great friend Jim Nolan saying yesterday he researched everything, and he might know it, but he'd bluff his way through, <laughs> and he'd make a mistake, and he'd, he'd he'd have a laugh, and he'd be saying, "Look at this fellow from this parish, and hold on a while here now. What's going on?" And all this, and it was such a joy to sit alongside of him, and I, I've done it so often, mm-hmm. and. You know, when we do go back to commentaries, knowing he's not going to be there, yes. it's going to be happening. It will be difficult. You know, it will be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. And, I mean, I was there a couple of weeks ago. We were down in Mallow at the Munster Junior Football Final. Foster from Kerry were playing Kilmore from Cork. And we all know he was a Kerry man, but he loved Cork. And the two Clifford brothers were playing. And, you know, he did Dahi from Foster, he called him. You know, David Clifford, the best footballer in the country at the moment. <laughs> Dahi from Foster, he tagged him That's and right. you know it was, it was such a pleasure to be sitting alongside him oh god listen I just can't get my head around the fact yeah. that he, he won't come into a, pa- a press box or a car right. and have a laugh and a joke and, it, and, oh, and it, it's terrible or, or GA awards there'll be a potty sized hole there yeah and he loved that he night he loved, he loved that. that night and particularly the one the, the West Cork awards he was more central to the West Cork awards no he was central everywhere he went but I heard JP, I was speaking to JP yesterday, the West Cork Awards in, in Don West Cork, I think around the Cutlery's time, he really, he was very key to that. And you go to a match with him, PJ, and all of a sudden, where's Paddy? He's down talking to this fella, he's talking to this person, mm. he's making a note, and if you stay to Paddy, would you say hello to such and such a person in wherever in the world? He'd make a note and he'd call it out and all oh, this, and he was... It was just such a pleasure to be alongside him. And I, I, well, however bad it is for us in the media world, yes. just think of his wife, Colette, his daughters, and he became a grandfather last year, and he adored Lucas Podrick. And, you know, oh, listen, terribly, terribly sad. I was so upset when I heard it yesterday. And it was actually, I was on with Trevor, and I, I don't know how I got through it. I just yeah. don't know, because he was such a gent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a... It's it's the family, Finbar. This is this is our family. Yeah. Uh, we all, as I said at the start, we all have two families. It's this family and, and our own families. Just before I let you go, you have a particular favourite commentary. Was it from the last time Ireland won, or Cork won the All Ireland, wasn't it? Yeah, 2010, because Cork had won a football in a number of years. He was passionate about football. We lost a couple of finals and a semi final. I ran into to Kerry. We were playing down above in Crow Park. I was alongside himself, God be good to him, Michael Scanlon, John Fenton Daly, but Jim Nolan, who himself and Paddy were lifelong friends and, and was a co-commentator on 103 with him, was actually selected with the Cork team that day. And Cork won by a single point and he got as much pleasure out of that as any match. I remember when the final whistle blew, he stood up, his microphone in his right hand and he gave a fist with his left hand. Yes, oh, you know, it's a memory I'd take with me for a long, long time to come. He got—he was a Kerry man, we all know, but he loved cock football. And I think the connection that day with Jim Nolan being a selector and Paulie doing the commentary, that's something he'll savour, I'll savour, and may the light of heaven shine on him. Man, indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Finbar. Uh, Finbar McCarthy. Cheers, guys. Uh, 0818-96-96-96. That particular moment uh, I have uh, here as we remember our friend and our colleague. Down, have possession. They're still in the cock side of the field. They're coming forward, being policed, being tackled, being harassed, and all over the place, they're still driving forward. 
and what an interception driving forward right now is none other than Dan Golding from Unboreen I wonder how Dan Lorden and Mick Lorden is feeling he's the Lord Mayor of the Boreen he was their elected representative when we spoke to him during the week but it's a free into court and what an interception driving forward right now is none other than Dan Golding from Unboreen I wonder how Dan Lorden and Mick Lorden is feeling he's the Lord Mayor of the Boreen he was their elected representative when we spoke to him during the week but it's a free into court it was Conehead's greatest hour the man who took over the first day he was in action was up against Lee against Ross Common in the league final the boy wearing number 13 it's heading in its way lobby it in get a fist in it get something on it don't let it down man Garrett it's all over after all Ireland champions what a feeling what a day we've waited a long time for it 20 years unbelievable stuff Thanks for the memories. Thank you. Live free in 23. Listen and win. Oh my god! Yeah! A year to remember. Cut the cost of living for one loyal listener. With the ultimate live free grand prize. Win a holiday. Free fuel. Supermarket shopping. Computers and electrical. Concert tickets. Fashion and beauty. Free food. And a credit union account with cash. Spending money. Money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Live free in 23. With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Starts next Monday. Out of money. <laughs> Only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Now here's a video that went a little bit viral over the weekend. Uh, Boyd, who's a regular visitor to Cork, um, posted a video on his Facebook. Not a happy camper at the time. Hey everybody, not in a great mood right now. Wait for a few viewers on here and we'll bring you up to speed what's happening in this town. I've been coming here for 10 years. I spend money here. I spent, I went to Mexico the last two years I didn't have to freeze my nuts off in the cold, lay on a beach, and eat some of the best Mexican food I've ever had. No, I'm going to come here and freeze my nuts off, and these f***ers won't let me in. I just went to the Reardon's uh, bar. Guy looks at me. He's like, how much you had to drink? I said, I haven't had any. He said, drink, I've had chicken and water. He goes, where have you been? I said, I was over on Oliver Plunkett Street. He goes, oh, no, man, we're going to leave it off tonight. I go, Why? And he just goes, no, no, we're not letting you in. I f***ing had chicken and water today. I'm doing this video. Does it look like I'm drunk? Last night I got into bars after I had like three and four pints. You you come to Cork, Ireland, you drink, you drink water and eat chicken, they're not going to let you in. Don't spend your money here. Don't spend your tourism. Don't bring your tourism dollars here unless you want to sit in the room. I'm amped over this. <sighs> Boyd's. So you went to the door of Reardon's and, and they wouldn't let you in. Morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was walking up to Reardon's and uh, uh, the doormen were standing outside and uh, there were some other people there. And then they looked at me and I thought I was going to get in. And then the one taller guy stopped me. He's like, uh, 
how much you had to drink tonight? And I said, uh, I haven't had anything. I said, I've actually just been in my room uh, uh, eating chicken and broccoli and drinking water. And he says, uh, where did you come from? And I said, well, uh, over on Oliver Plunkett. He says, at the Oliver Plunkett? And I said, no, uh, Oliver Plunkett Street. <clears throat> and he said, uh, oh, well, you're not getting in tonight. Just leave it off. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, not tonight. And I said, well, I haven't had anything to drink. He said, no, no. About what time was in. this, Boyd? I'm sorry? About what time of the evening was it? Hmm, let me think. I'm going to say probably around 11. Okay, okay. Yeah. And had you just ventured out for the evening at that point? Um, I had. I was over on Oliver Plunkett Street. I, was, <clears throat> I tried to get into the Oliver Plunkett, and they wouldn't let me in either. Okay. Uh, when I went over there, uh, as I was walking up, um, the guy said the same, basically kind of the same stuff. He said, hey, uh, looks like you've had a little too much tonight. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to let you in. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> I kind of laughed. And he said, yeah, you know, it's just uh, you're, you're not going to have you in here tonight. And I said, well, I haven't even drank yet. I said, it's been raining. I've been waiting in my room for the rain to stop. And I was eating in my room. Mm-hmm. And I even had a pint tonight. And uh, he said, no, we're just going to have to leave it off. And I said, okay. wow, whatever. And I walked away. And then I had gone down to uh, the Rob Roy. And then I, I didn't even, he didn't even ask me how much I drank. I walked up. He says, nope, not tonight. I said, excuse me? He says, nope, not tonight. All right. I was just like, wow. And I was here in June, and that, that bar did the same thing to me. So Reardon's wasn't your only experience? Oh no! Uh-uh. That was that was the final stop, and that's why when I did the video, I was so heated because I'd gone to three bars in a row, and then on the way, uh, there's a bar pop scene, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, I went up to the guy and I just said, "Hey, look," I said, uh, "Where where can a guy, where can an American guy get in that hasn't had a drink tonight yet? What what bar what bar do you recommend?" And and he just says, "Oh, go down to Reardon's." I said, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah, go down there. You should be fine." He, he didn't say to I, you, "You might want to call in here." Did he? He didn't invite you to go in there, no. Uh, I didn't ask to go in there because okay. uh, that that place never lets me in. Uh, I've for the last four or five years, I can remember. Uh, when I've tried to go to uh, Voodoo's rooms or whatever it's called or yeah. pop scene, um, they no. There's a there's a guy that stands out there. I recognize him from years, and there's just he's never let me in ever. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Do you have any idea why all these places refuse you, Boyd? No. Uh, I'd like to know why. I, I don't know. I you know I I I live in the gym. I. I eat pretty clean. I, I don't, I'm not a big drinker anyway. So, mm. um, and you know, I would understand if someone's walking up to a bar and they're, they're drunk, falling over or they're, mm. you know, slurring their speech or something. I get it. You know, don't let them in. But, you know, even like in America, they'll let people in, maybe not like that, but mm. you do have security in the bar if something was to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they remove them, but it's, it's strange. I, yeah. I can't figure it out. There's an old, I, I won't call it a slogan, but it's a, it's a, a doorman's thing that or a management thing that we, well we have the right to refuse whomever we wish it's it's our premises our rules do you accept that um i mean i don't know exactly as far as you know what what their criteria is to turn people away hmm. um i think from a business standpoint uh 
you would want to get as many people in as you could to make as much revenue on on the alcohol sales and whatnot. And mm. uh, you know, but like I'm I'm here visiting. Um, you know, you think you'd want tour? The tourism was closed down here for so long with the COVID times. Yeah, you think that you'd want that tourism to turn around? And those bars could, you know, try to make some of that money back they lost out on. You know, just, just from a business standpoint. I, were you on your own? Are you always on your own, or would you have somebody with you? Um, occasionally, I'd have somebody with me, but a lot of times I'm on my own. Yeah. So you were very, very angry when you made that video. We've all watched it. Um, yeah. How do you feel now? You feel still just feel disappointed by your experience. You know, actually, uh, well, actually, no, because last night I uh, I went out to the Joshua Tree, so I took people's advice online, saying, you know, don't go in town. So I went to the this locals bar, and oh my god, I mean, no one, you know, gave me a mean mug face at the door. I came in. Uh, People were hitting me pints. Uh, everybody was cheering and singing together and clapping. It was a yeah. whole different experience. Uh, yeah. So yeah. the Joshua Tree, I yeah. so that that you know that made me feel better about yeah. you know. I know you and I have there. talked before, boy. You do love it here, and yeah. you come here a lot. Right, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would this put you off for like coming again? Years. I'm sorry. Would would what happened the other night put you off coming back again? Because you were saying that in your video. Yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, I was feeling that um, at that moment. Um, I, 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 yeah, that's that's a tough thing to answer. Um, I can't say it. I, I can't. You know, I was I was upset when I made yeah. the video. Oh yeah. I can't really say those doormen define people in Cork or you know the court crowd or the city. Mm. I, I can't say that. You know, but. It's not a good representation, especially for people that, you know, I've been here several times. What about maybe a tourist that's, you know, come here for their first and maybe only time they could ever come here in their life? Mm, mm. You know, maybe they came here for New Year's Eve and they got turned away from three or four bars and they had to go home, go back and sit in their room. Yeah. That would be a horrible experience for somebody that was looking forward to ringing the New Year in in Cork, you know? Sure. So, sure. you know, that's, that's an example. Right. Boy, we're going to reach out and see what, the premises has to say um, they're, okay. enti- they're entitled to a, a right to reply so we will do that uh, and yeah. thank you for taking my call yeah sure no problem yeah, we, we, we sent some thanks Boyd we sent some messages to the appropriate people in Reardon's uh, to get their side of the story there's always two sides sometimes there's three there's your side my side and the truth so we don't know so we've reached out to, to Reardon's and uh, we've said we'll see what comes back from from them. That's Boyd's experience. Look, as long as I'm going to town and in my time I worked, um, jocked in every nightclub in the city, every major nightclub in the city, and there was always people who were stopped and there was always people who weren't happy about being stopped and there was always, you, you wonder why one guy was stopped and the next guy behind him wasn't. There's always a reason. And in the, the years that I know bouncers and doormen and whatever and doorwomen, there was always a reason. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what comes back. Um, thank you, Boyd. 0818 96, 96, 96 Now, yesterday morning, over at the lock, there was a very well-attended uh, vigil to remember Bruna Fonseca. As you know, Bruna died in Cork over the holiday period. Uh, there was a nice turnout. Keith Keith went along from the newsroom here at 96 FM. There was a large turnout 
Uh, many beautiful photographs of Bruna dotted around the lock and many of her friends from the Brazilian community in Cork were, were there too, just to remember and to, and to pay respect. And uh, one of the people who addressed the gathering was Martina Stafford from the group Rosa. Hi, my name is Martina Stafford. I'm a member of the ROSA Socialist Feminist Movement. I just want to start by extending my utmost sympathies to Bruna's family, friends, co-workers, who must be in so much pain right now. And to say solidarity to all women and LGBTQ plus people who have suffered due to gender-based violence. Unfortunately, around this time last year, Ashley Murphy was murdered and we organized a standout to reject this extreme misogyny, which is not disconnected from the daily harassment and sexism endemic in society, nor is it disconnected from the fact that we have to fight for rights over our own bodies, or that we experience, when we experience sexual violence or intimate partner abuse, the services that we need are underfunded and under-resourced. I think it's vital to stand in solidarity and express our sorrow and grief for Bruna and her family and friends right now to get through this really, really difficult time. And I think we must also act beyond today to challenge the type of society here and internationally where sexist and misogynistic ideas are perpetuated and normalized at every level of society. Yeah, um, that's Martina addressing that gathering yesterday. A very close friend of Juliana, or, or Bruna, rather. Juliana was, was also uh, in attendance yesterday. Juliana, why are you here today? Why? Because Bruna. Because she was an amazing girl. She was everything. When you think of Bruna, like, what are your happy memories? <laughs> everything, like, everything. Especially this lo- the lock, because she loves to come here. To have a time and warmer. Yeah, also uh, attending yesterday was Deborah Garcia and she sang a Brazilian song about heaven. My name is Deborah Garcia and you sang a song today for Bruna. Yeah, the songs talk about the heaven. They say the, hev- the heaven is a beautiful place to stay and we believe that she's there now because she was a lovely person and she always with uh, good things here in Cork like with a good friends and she also always went to the church. She spoke with the father there so she was working hard here in Cork. The Brazilian community is very unity and then we always try to help each other here and this song is for saying that she now in a good place with God. We see many Brazilians here but also the Irish community they help us and it is love to to have you know. Yeah and she loved the lock and uh, there was a beautiful turnout for that little event yesterday morning. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818-969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, that person of whom I'm thoroughly and completely sick at this stage. I'm just bored, skinny with him. I don't want to know about Prince Harry anymore. He's boring the pants off me. Get to him in a while. Leanne, you were listening to Boyd. Morning. Oh, oh. 
she did literally drop the phone as I said. She was a we yeah, um Leanne was there talking to me about she wanted to talk about going out and not getting out very often and not being able to get into places. Uh, and uh, she was saying that as a young mom she barely ever gets a chance to go out but when she does she gets told regulars only and she asks the very same question people have been asking since forever how can you get to be a regular if you can't get to get into the place there is that 0818 96 96 96 right Prince Harry absolutely sick of him are you Shirley morning Oh my God, PJ, it is like Groundhog Day. Are we ever going to get beyond this subject of Meghan and Harry? No, I don't think so, because I don't think they want us to. That's the point. There's a new interview every day. There's something new in the paper every... At this stage, we've found out where and how he lost his virginity. We've practically found out everything else about him, including the rather distasteful recount of how many people he shot in in, in Afghanistan. I'm getting sick and tired of him at this stage, Charlie. Well, he seems to be providing, like the book, um, like as we said just before Christmas when we when we were speaking about the documentary and so on, we were saying like the book is going to come out next and we're going to be subjected to a whole round of media surrounding the book and that's exactly what's happened. And he is now, for somebody who hates the particular, in particular the tabloid media, all he's doing is providing with these all these salacious stories, as you just referred to, like losing his virginity, the whole thing with the Taliban, the fight with William. That's all premium tabloid fodder. Mm. Premium. That's exactly what these people live for. Now, there was a, a lengthy interview, which I haven't seen. I watched a summary of it this morning on ITV with Tom Bradby, who I believe is a friend of his. Um, so, so they know each other quite well. Like, did we learn anything new last night? Because in the summary I saw, we didn't. No, we didn't really learn anything new. But what I will say is, um, given the fact that they know each other, I think Tom Bradby pushed him a little bit more than, say, Anderson Cooper did or, you know, the the Good Morning America interview or even the Oprah one. Like he, he asked him, he challenged him a bit more because I think he's very mindful of the fact that he's a British journalist mm. sort of speaking for British people. So he did say to him, like, you know, when will all this stop? Like, why, you know, people don't want to hear it anymore. He said, people are saying they don't want to hear this anymore. Mm. He asked the question straight out and Harry was sort of like, I more or less re- replied by saying, I don't care. This is my story and I will tell it and I will continue to tell it. Mm. It is important for me like, to tell it. If you don't want media coverage, don't give the media stuff to cover is what I would have thought. Exactly. And look, I think, you know, and we've said it before, none of us know what's going on behind closed doors. He's entitled to say what he wants to say. But once you've said your piece, make peace with it. Draw a line under it. You've done what you wanted to do. You've put your truth, in inverted commas, out there. Mm. Walk walk off into the sunset and leave your good deeds speak for themselves. There's no need to be rehashing this over and over. I think he's on Stephen Colbert, I think tonight or tomorrow night in America. He's 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 out there now more than he has ever been out there. Mm. And making a lot of money out of it too. I mean he got thirty five million for the book. They got a hundred million from Netflix for the documentary series. There's rumor now that, that uh, Megan has a book written. So they're making an awful lot of money for talking about something they don't want, which is publicity. Exactly. And look, I mean, I think he said when he signed the book deal that he was donating 1.5 million to this and 300,000 to this. And, but that was when we didn't know the scale of the book deal. So I think estimates now are he's pocketing about 18 to 20 million. Mm. 
himself so like it's great to be look it's great to be very philanthropic and and give away vast amounts of money brilliant there's nobody gonna there's nobody gonna kind of look down on you for that but at the same time you're doing it at you're doing it by doing the very thing you say you don't want and there is also this thing of he keeps talking about repairing his relationship with his family and I would say in the Tom Bradby interview, he, he kind of came at them a bit more than we ever saw in the Netflix documentary. Mm. He had a fair hop off Camilla, um, you know, specifically in it. And, you know, I suppose William and Kate as well. But Camilla was new because they hadn't really referenced her in the Netflix documentary. But he does specifically address her in this. Mm. Yeah, I, I only saw, as I said, a summary of it this morning. He doesn't he, he doesn't talk about disliking her at all. He just said, I'd rather he, she hadn't married my father kind of thing. Well, he, start, he never refers to her by name, which I think is very yes. interesting. He just says her or my stepmother. Um, but he does accuse her. He directly accuses her of planting stories mm. um, to further her own kind of popularity and of being a very calculating person. But he doesn't say that he dislikes her. And he does say he's happy his father um, is happy in his relationship. But they didn't want her to marry mm. Prince Charles, King Charles, uh, um, they didn't want them to marry, but he's kind of made his peace with it. But that didn't stop him from going in on her, which was kind of an unnecessary thing to do as well, I think, you know. Yeah, he certainly isn't going to repair his relationship with his father that way, is he? He's not, but then there was a couple of backtracks that I noticed. Um, Tom Bradby said, mentioned, like, you know, you have accused the royal family of racism, and he stopped him, and he said, no, I haven't. Yeah, I, I saw that exchange um, the story about the question being asked of what colour skin Archie would have, mm. is, is mm-hmm. he saying that didn't happen now? No, he's saying it did happen, but he's saying that they did not accuse the royal family of racism, which is kind of, he's almost trying to withdraw back from what was assumed by the original comments. So Tom Bradby puts it to him that like, by even mentioning that conversation and by bringing it up, are you not saying that it was a race yes. comment. And, and he and said, he no, said well, it was unconscious the press, bias, yeah, yeah. Unconscious bias, and it was the press said racism. I never said racism. But, you know, it's a bit late in the day now to be going back trying to, to reframe the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't want to accuse them of racism, and look, it was not a nice thing to say. Let's, let's be very clear about that. But if you don't want to accuse them of racism, don't tell that story. Exactly. And look, I mean, Paul Burrell now has been out in force passing comment on, on this, as we often see him. He comes out of the woodwork. He's he's like Michael Bublé at Christmas. He comes out of the woodwork another, every time the Royals yes, come out with a story. Surely another, but, another bluffer. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? When you think about it, we like Paul Burrell has been vilified in the press for making money off his relationship with Princess Diana for writing books and for coming out and giving interviews. And here now we have Harry doing basically the exact same thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like he's perfectly entitled to have his say. It's, you know, I'm sure he's had a very difficult life, but it is now turning into a whinge. He's whinging. By the way. And it's constant. Someone misheard us there, Shirley. We're saying... Paul Burrell, not our poor old Paul Bourne. Now, that, that, that's that, that confused. Oh, no, not Paul Burrell. 
<laughs> Paul Burrell. Yeah, Paul Burrell, yeah. <laughs> the former the former butler. So where's this gonna go? I mean the com the, the coronation is the seventh of May. Do we do we have to listen to Willie Won't He Go until then? Because I'll be gone off Absolutely. the edge of it. Absolutely. Absolutely we do. And if he goes, we will be listening to it twenty four seven everything will be dissected. If he doesn't go he will still, even if he's not there, he's still going to be the biggest, they are going to be the biggest topic of conversation, if they're, whether they're there or they're not. And they have created this themselves because this, obviously the palace and the royal family have maintained a wall of silence. They have not come out and commented on the book. Uh, Harry has said last night that he doesn't think they will even read the book. Um so regardless of regardless of all of this, we're never going to hear the end of this. And he's kind of said that himself. I will keep speaking as long as I want to. And that's just the way it's Which going to be. Which is a very petulant attitude, if you ask me. Listen, everything about him is childish. And there is a little bit of, you know, he was whinging. You hear in the book, he talks about having a smaller bedroom than his brother. And he, he had a small, like... Name name a middle child or a younger child who didn't have a smaller bedroom than their elder yes. sibling. There was another thing as well, wasn't there, about an apartment in Kensington Palace, which he felt was, he was deliberately given a small apartment, and then that there was someone outside his window in a Land Rover. I mean, sorry now, are you three? And also, like, do you not realise, yes, you are the second born, you were at the time the third in line to the throne, but you were also living an immensely privileged life. This was also a young man who was not very academically gifted and was helped through his exams, who was supported through Sandhurst. Like he would not on his own have made us to those through Eton and through Sandhurst without assistance because of who he was. So he has had the extent, massive privilege extended to him throughout his life. And all he's doing is complaining about it. And Mm. I think in the UK, I was actually in London this past weekend. We were at Buckingham Palace. You know, there was a lot of people filming, a lot of journalists filming to camera ahead of the release of the book. And there's a very negative feeling over there because of the cost of living crisis. And then you have this guy who's whinging, this multi-millionaire whinging about having a smaller bedroom. He's just, there is an overwhelming negativity towards Harry and Meghan in the UK. And that's everywhere you go, the fronts of all the newspapers, Mm. the free papers on the tube and the underground, the vibe outside Buckingham Palace. It was just, and a lot of Americans outside Buckingham Palace, but none of them interested in Harry and Meghan. Is is it fair to to, to say, Shirley, that... The, the thoughts of many people are, look, if you want to go away and leave and build your own life in America, off you go. Look, blessings of God, we'll drive you to the airport. But then you shut up about it. But I mean, that I think that would be the case for anybody. You know what I mean? If you want to go off into the sunset and live your life, don't you don't have to keep telling me that you're going. You don't have to continuously announce your exit. You don't have to continuously, it's like, you know, people with irritating Facebook statuses, you don't have to constantly update me on what you're doing. But they are just, because the minute they become silent, they become irrelevant. So if they stop talking and they stop sharing, people won't be interested in them anymore. Yeah, and that would be the worst possible thing to happen because they are, whatever you must say, they seem to be publicity hungry. Well, they are now media stars. They're no longer... Now, I mean, he has been asked, I think it was Anderson Cooper asked him, would he renounce his royal title? 
And he said, why, why would I? What, what good would that do? But if you really feel that strongly about how you're being treated as a member of the royal family, give up the titles, mm. walk away. And some, some, now, admittedly, there's something like a 400-word piece which is quite nuanced, but the whole Afghanistan thing about how many people, how members of the Taliban he shot, like that could cause a security risk. Yeah, and look again. Um, listening to some of the some of the talk radio in the UK at the weekend, there is a big kind of there's a lot circulating around that where people are wondering was that deliberate on his part? Because apparently, I don't know, but apparently it is not the done thing to announce those type of things no. when you are a former serviceman. No. Um, so by him saying that, and he has increased certainly the threat to himself, possibly, and by extension his family, was that deliberately done? Yeah. Um, to sort of, you know, to increase the demand for security and support from the royal family. That's kind of listening on a couple of the stations in yeah. the UK over the weekend. That kind of was the vibe. I did hear an interview with a former uh, Afghanistan veteran on a programme like that and he said, no, we, you never discuss that. You certainly yes, don't write yeah. it. You might discuss it with your buddies when you meet people who'd been there with you, served with you. You certainly don't write a book about it and put you practically put names and addresses of who it was into the book. You just don't. You just don't. And you see, the thing is, I think, you know, even with the audiobook, because you, you hear excerpts of the audiobook right. and the Tom Bradbury interview, for me, with an audiobook, the person reading the book is one of the main reasons why I will stay listening or not. Mm. And given the fact that he is reading it himself, and when you're listening to the excerpts of the audiobook, you can tell that they're not his words. You can tell he had a ghostwriter, but also he's not he's not a very engaging voice to listen to. And also, I think, as you said, because we're sick of seeing and hearing him, you kind of it, I think it would have been nice to have somebody else read it, to be honest. Yeah, I was wondering, had he done his own? And then, yes, he had done his own audio read. And you're either very good at that or you're no good at that. There's nothing in between. And unfortunately, he's mm-hmm. no good at it. He's no good. Mm-hmm. Shirley, thank you for that. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts very welcome on, on Harry and Meghan. And are we completely sick of them? Because they're going, they have been the story the celebrity story of 2022. They are about to make themselves the celebrity story of 2023. There was the Tom Bradby interview last night. There's another one. There's Anderson Cooper. There was Oprah Winfrey. They're queuing up to be interviewed. Maybe challenged a little. Maybe not. Yeah, Mary thinks Harry is a lost child. His father left the parenting to Diana, and without her, he was lost. I don't agree with what he's doing, but I do feel very sorry for him. And I think a lot of people do feel sorry for him. Well, one thing is sure, Mary, as a young man, when he lost his mother so young, that was awfully traumatising for him and indeed for William. And it was a terrible thing to go through. And no doubt it left it, its, its, its mark on them both. William would appear to have handled it better. But then, you know, how do you handle something like losing your mother in that fashion? Uh, we learned in the, in the Tom Bradbury interview, we learned that they both asked as men to be driven through that tunnel in Paris, which I I don't get that at all. Johnny wants to know why we're even discussing this pair of tits. Because they're everywhere, Johnny. They're unavoidable. I'd nearly be afraid to walk down Patrick Street now today because you might bump into one of them. Uh, Carla says, we're sick to death of him. We despise him. I don't know if you despise him. Like he's, I'm tired of him. I'm bored with him. 
bored with her too. And I liked her when she came on the scene first. I thought there was something nice and something something vivacious and something very likable about her. I did. I don't anymore. They just bore the pants off me, the pair of them. They just if you wanna go away and live a private, quiet life in another golf with you. I'll drive it to the airport. I'll give you a hug before you go on the plane. Be delighted for you. But just shag off and do what you said you're going to do. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on Boyd not being let in to Reardon's and to the Oliver Plunkett and to Popstein and to the Rob Roy on the one night. Hi PJ, I could be wrong, but would would Boyd not being allowed in have anything to do with what he was wearing? They won't just take any kind of runners and it has to be at least jeans. It just seems very unusual not to be allowed into more than one place. Yeah. We have reached out to Reardon's to see what the problem was. I, we haven't had a response just yet. You don't get refused from three bars in a row. There had to be something up. And that's from someone who signs themselves as a former bouncer. I, going over my own experience working in the clubs over the years, that's a few years ago now but certainly I worked there until the very late 90s in the clubs around town and there was always a reason. Now would you get a bouncer going on a solo run and just being a dark yeah you would but sometimes his mates would gather around him and say actually let him in, go on let him in, he's not doing any harm to anyone. It's, it's hard to know the truth of what happened the other night with Boyd, but we have reached out to Reardon's to see if they have anything to say for themselves about it. 0818 uh, Just listen, this is an enormous prize. It is huge. We want you to live free in 2023. We cut the cost of living for one of our listeners with the ultimate live free grand prize. Listening from next Monday for your chance to text a WhatsApp to win Live Free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions here for you always, only on Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 996 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Listening to an early morning radio show this morning and we're talking about scams and, and con artists that are going around. There's loads and loads and loads. There's one going around this morning about Chinese lottery. I know it's in the UK. I haven't heard of it happening here, but someone claims you've won the Chinese lottery. You'd be asking yourself, like, I didn't buy a ticket for a Chinese lottery. How the hell would I win a Chinese lottery? But there's one going around. It was some woman caught for quite an amount of money as well over a, a scam to do with that. Mary was on to say, you were talking to people about the COVID-19 kit scam. I was nearly caught on Sunday. It's so convincing. Even when you know about it, you'd almost fall for it. I had the form half filled in before I realised. Just to say to people to be very, very careful. 0818 96 96 96. Lot to do today. Jolene and Kate and Michael all waiting to get on the radio. But first, uh, Kevin. Morning, Kevin. Morning. How Morning, man. Happy, I'm not too bad. Happy New Year, kids. And, and to you, sir. And to you. Uh, what, Harry. Bless his cotton socks. Listen, uh, the, the thing is, when you look at what he... He left, he left the firm. He left the firm and he left all of the income and the money behind him. What can he do? Look at the lifestyle that he's trying to live. What can he do to earn money? It's sell stories. 
And at the end of the day, this is, to me, this is the biggest scandal in the royal family for 100 years since yeah. the abdication. You've had divorces and you've had all that stuff. I wouldn't call Diana's death a scandal. That's different. Yes. But so this is, when you look at it, in 100 years ago, or when Edward abdicated, the world had other things on its mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we were about to go into World War Two. In today's world, in today's global media world, when, with Harry being so media savvy and being surrounded by the people who are media savvy, they know how to sell. And the thing is, for him to break even on this book deal, he has to sell 1.7 million copies of this book. Mm. And to do that, you have to put stuff in it and you have to go and sell it. So all these interviews, he's getting very little pushback. I mean, the, the interview yesterday, I saw a bit the clips of it, the same as yourself. There was one bit on it there that stood out a mile. He was asked about the Commonwealth. And he, apparently he's told Charles if he went back to the Royal Family, he'd love to work in the Commonwealth. But he told Oprah the Commonwealth was a racist institution yeah. or built on racism and colonialism. Why well, the double standards? And I was amazed that the interviewer didn't pick up on him, push him on that. But when you're pan-picking interviewees and, you're, and they're paying for the privilege of talking to you, mm-hmm. then they're not, it's not in their interest to push back. If you wanted to sit down and have a proper one-to-one interview, as much as I despise the guy, go and sit down with Pierce Morgan. See how far you go. <laughs> and the worst of it, but, but PJ, but PJ, the worst of it is he's got an agenda as well. He's got crap to sell on his TV yeah. channel. Yeah. So it's like everyone is trying to. Everyone's got skin in the game here. Yeah. You know. So it's like the only thing you know. You know in your gut what you're hearing. And yeah, he's had a rough childhood. And God forbid, I, did, I don't envy anyone no, no. who's what involved he, what in that. What he went through as a young child, no one should ever have to go through and that. He, and he did it in public. And, and the thing is... I would have I thought, Kevin, at this stage as a grown man, it's therapy sessions he should be going to, not big media interviews. Apparently he's seen something like 15 different therapists over the years. It's not as if he hasn't had access to the best therapy in the world. At the end of the day, he's... If you ever grew... You grew up in a household with brothers. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, do you ever have a, yeah, do you ever have a scrap of them? All the time. It's normal, right? Yeah. How is that? How is that, st- that a story? This is what people are sick of. People hear that, and it's like, hang on, I grew up with four brothers. Yeah. God, God help you if you were in my house. <laughs> and, then, and then to turn around, and for him to turn around and talk about what he did in Afghanistan. I mean, it didn't, you don't talk about that anyway in public. And yeah. the, the second thing is, Apparently, the Met have reported that there has been a massive spike in threats to the royal family since he's gone public talking about things. And then you add that into the mix. He's only put a target on his own back. I mean, look, as morbid as this is, Salman Rushdie was only killed last year. Yeah. And he had a fat one on him for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, no, all, I, it, I would, all I, it takes is one freak, one nutter who wants to be famous. When, when I you heard him put that in the book, I must say, I thought, no, that's like that goes against, and I've never been in the army, Kevin, no. and, and, and you haven't either. But no, one, I haven't. one thing I do know is that when you go away to war with the army, you come back, you might talk about it with your with your buddies with whom you yeah. served. You know, it's, it's not dinner table conversation, and no. you certainly don't put it in a book. 100% you don't. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's got stuff to sell. And <laughs> there's going to be Netflix series, there's going to be... You, you name there's it. There's one everything flaw is, in your argument. Geared about money. There's one flaw Go in on. your argument, and it's this. You said that he needs to do this, this is his way of making money. Yeah. Now, what is he, 43? Yeah, give us it. I don't think there are any... There are too many 43-year-olds year olds going around there 
with as much money anyway as he has. But the other side of that is that he wants things like um, security. He wants his security paid for by the British government. And he wants to be on, the, on a security list that no matter where he goes in the world, it's guaranteed. And t- to get on that, he's been wiped off that list because of, he decided to leave. Yes, There's a lot of other things at play here other than income. But at the same time, they moved. They wanted to get away from the media and the spotlight and everything else. And they went and moved to California, for God's sake. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I there, there's a story, he's a walking contradiction. But he's a walking contradiction that's going to make a shed load of cash. Indeed, and he's already making it. Kevin, thanks. 0818-96-96-96. This is a totally different story, but it does involve a lot of money. The state has laid down a deposit. The state has. We have. Our money. The state has laid down a deposit on a new cargo aircraft for the Air Corps, which would carry troops and vehicles to foreign missions and rescue stranded Irish citizens. Multiple sources have said the deposit was paid on December 23rd by the Department of Defence and the final cost could be in the region of £50 You You have a bit of a problem with that, Michael. Good morning. Yes, thank you. Yes, happy, happy New Year. And to you, sir. Yes, I have, yes, 50 million. It's an unbelievable amount of money for just to buy one plane. Like, 50 million would go an awful long ways in the health service, I think, in buying beds for people in hospitals and stuff like that. We, You know, we don't need a cargo plane at the moment. People are, the, the soldiers are getting to and from Lebanon, you know, easy enough. There's no problem there. And why... Spend fifty million then. Well, the if, Air Corps is a the Air Corps is a branch of our defence forces, and surely we're entitled to keep our, our defence forces and entitled to have the best that they can have to do their jobs well, properly. Oh, they are, but at the at the, at the expense is it at the expense of people in hospitals? Yeah, like I I um, can't see. We we need hospital beds more than we need um, transport planes. Yeah. And I can't figure it out. And like, this is down like we have two people there at the head of the government, Leo and Michael Martin, and they were both health ministers, so they should both know what's happening. But they're just pandering out to the EU people and buying this plane for fifty million. Yeah, you know. It's, you know, they'll be able to say, oh, look, we have so, a plane. So would you, would you not replace a naval vessel if we needed one in the morning, Michael? Uh, yes, I would, but uh, at, the, at the moment, we, well, they're not replacing them. They're not even replacing the, the sailors that are leaving. True, True. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. It's a point. I wonder what people think. Thank you, Michael. Uh, 0818-96-96-96. Million deposit approximately paid. Um, before Christmas for a new cargo jet for the Air Corps. Um, it would carry troops and their vehicles to foreign missions and rescue stranded citizens from overseas. And Michael makes the point, well, the soldiers get out and back to Lebanon safe enough, don't they? Um, but yeah, you, how, how do you bring a few jeeps? With? Yeah, it'll, What do you think? 50 million is what it'll probably cost in the end. Michael said we should be spending that money on hospital beds and nurses and doctors to staff them. 0818 96 96 96. And over Christmas, uh, David Lynch, 
Uh, Corkman David Lynch lost his beloved dad, Sean, in a house fire in Carrigaline. Uh, 23,000 has now been raised in a GoFundMe campaign to, to help. Uh, but Kate feels that, that there should be something more done. Morning, Kate. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think we should have a DIY SOS. Right. I think that we can do it for the foreign nationals and everybody else coming in. I really was annoyed because it was on over Christmas uh, where they were doing in um, Kingston College in Middleton or Mitchellstown. They fixed up all the houses for the Ukrainians. They're a, big, a whole terrace. And surely be to God, we can look after one of our own and that all the businesses and all the different builders could come together and the council and get this a DIY SOS, get this house done. Yeah. Because there was a John O'Brien structural engineer came and he did, he assessed the house there seemingly for free. Mm-hmm. I would just love to see all the trades, all the builders. If we can do it for people coming to this country, surely be to God, one man can get his house redone. Yeah. And everybody get together. I don't care if it's on television or whether it's done without being on television. But surely, be to God, there are builders out there in all different trades who could come together and help this man. He already lost his father, who couldn't walk fast enough to get out of the of the the house, which was terrible. And then you're you're relying on somebody for the time being to to put you up. Like, can they not? I'm putting it out there. DIY SOS for the Cork City and County, the builders and all trades come together and do the house for this man. Give him a new, a good year in 2023. Did, did you know Sean? Yes. I actually met him the night before and I, I, he was strolling around, well, shuffling around, he shuffled, you see. Mm. And I said, are you okay for Christmas? And are you okay for the Christmas dinner? And he said, I am. I am Catherine. Um, the, um, I'm with my son for Christmas. That was the last conversation I had with him. Okay. Yeah. And okay. honest to God, I just, it annoys me. We can do all these things for people who are not from here. And even the fundraising, I know the, the lady was murdered. But, you know, can we not do it for one of our own? Okay. That's okay. what I'm putting out there. Okay? Right. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, your thoughts on that? 0818969696. It was a very tragic uh, night. I remember um, watching it come through. I was off. Uh, and watching it come through on social media that night, and I, I know where it was. I know Water Park. I lived in Water Park for, for 10 years, and it's a huge... It's not so much an estate as an area. It's like a whole part of Carrigan Line with seven or eight or nine different estates and different housing developments in it. And I lived in one of them. I lived in Rockborough Heights for, for 10 years, and I, and I loved it. Um, but I know where I know where that house is. It's not far from how, from a house where good friends of mine live. And um, it's an awful, awful, awful tragedy. But what do you take, make of, of Kate's point? Is it, could we rally together as a community or could the community rally together and, and do something uh, to, to rebuild and fix up the house for David? Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Watch 96 just coming back to Boyd's story and his experience and as I said we have asked Reardon's for comment we've contacted them on several different sources this morning and we haven't so far heard anything back but when we do you'll be the first to know hey PJ the bouncers are on a power trip if you refuse someone for no reason they're on to the bouncers in other establishments let other bouncers know not to let you in there either happens in Kinsale as well Shara Langers no wonder Kinsale is as much of a kip as the city is can't come on. That's from Myra. Okay, Myra, strong words. 
I wouldn't be describing the city as a kip. I certainly wouldn't be describing Kinsale as a kip, but okay. Hi PJ, I could be wrong. Yeah, is he, is he a big lad? Someone was asking. Uh, is he a big uh, a big lad? Uh, I mean, what that has to do, and I I really don't know. But anyway, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Jolene, uh, you're you. Where are you right now? PJ, how are you? I'm in Rabat in Morocco. Okay. That's where I am right now, and I'm just after leaving Casablanca this morning. You have a better line from Rabat than we'd probably have from Rigaskidi. <laughs> but I know, yeah. Let's let's so. go with it. What's been happening? <laughs> Oh, come here. I've been having an absolute whirlwind of an adventure. Um, ups and downs, that's for sure. I arrived here actually on um, on Thursday evening and Friday I was out and about and my phone got stolen. It was horrendous. Um, no, I, I did have a great day. I walk, walked around and, and had a ball, but um, I was uh, walking down the street and finding my way back to the hotel, looking at, looking at Google Maps, trying to find the nearest bus stop and to very... Uh, enterprising young men <laughs> uh, whipped up behind me on, on a motorbike and um, one guy grabbed my phone the other guy shot off and in, in a flash my phone was just gone taken so a drive-by uh, they literally came up on a bike <laughs> wow they, 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 they literally came up on the footpath I was well in from the road and uh, yeah just, just whipped it out of my hand and like actually there was a load of people there watching um, and like you know they were just passers-by and they were all locals and to be honest they were really like they were upset. They were upset that it happened, you know, and they were, they, yeah, they, they kind of consoled me because I was quite, like, anxious about it, as you can imagine. So, yeah, they came over and they were like, you know, calm down. This is not typical of Moroccans. It's okay. You know, we look after you. We'll call the police, blah, blah, blah. And it, it was lovely, actually. They, they really were kind of very, very sound, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, they did call the police. And then there was one guy, because uh, I wrote a little story about this on Facebook, which yeah. is... How, how you guys ended up uh, chatting to me about it, but there was one lad anyway, and he was like, oh, "I will, I will stay with you, and I will make sure you get your phone, and no problem." And then he he kind of goes on and he tells me like, "Oh yeah, I am divorced, <laughs> and I have room, and no problem, you can come and stay." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, oh Jesus, you know, I'm not going down this road at all." Like, <laughs> so anyway, the, the police turn up and uh, they they quickly shift your man off. They're like, "Ah, here, get out of here," you know. And he's all offended. I look after a woman, there's no problem. And then the, the policeman comes up to me and he's like, I give you warning, like, brother, trust, do not trust this man or any man in Morocco. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, help me. Like, I mean, it's an awful kind of a, a, a first day experience. You, like, you, to, you weren't too honest. sure about the top side, <laughs> I think, by the reading of your piece. <laughs> oh, and, and no, no, PJ, I wasn't. Like, they were in a pretty old rickety car, um, plain clothes police. No sign of a badge or anything, and I was like, um, you know, can, can you tell me you're the police? And they're like, we have two kind of police in Morocco: plain clothes and and uh, police, police. <laughs> I right. was like, and you expect me to get into the car with you, like? And they were like, it's a police car. <laughs> I was like, all right, okay. And, and, and did they actually kind of bring you to a to police do, station? Like, no, they they did. They brought they brought me to a police station. Uh, we went in. It was kind of a bit, of, a bit kind of a shady kind of like dim little kind of a room you know beyond another room kind of a thing mm. and there's a fella in there then and he's like hammering away at a keyboard one hand like typing like mad you know so anyway that the, they they basically start filing my report and kind of like you know recounting between themselves what actually happened it's all in arabic so i don't have a clue what's going on and uh there's one guy then and uh they, they speak quite a lot of french here so my french now wouldn't be great and his <laughs> english wasn't great so you can imagine kind of like the rapport between us and uh, he's like oh, what is your name so 
Jolene Cronin has a right to write, write that down. And uh, he takes out a piece of paper and I start writing it down anyway. And he's repeating the name, you know, trying to get the pronunciation right. And then he's like, uh, uh, Gumla Chanson? <laughs> I like the song. Do you know what, I'm PJ? I could see it coming, like, because... He's going to stand I, up I, and I go, Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> You hit the nail on the head there now. That's exactly what happened. And all the lads in the police station, it was like, they all started singing Dolly Parton. Oh, they And I was like, <laughs> like my head and my... My head and my hands, like they were having a total laugh, like, and it was great old crack. And, and I was like, Oh, guys, you're great and you're brilliant at football, and Morocco, very good at World Cup. And they make me a cup of tea and offer me food, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? Do you know? So, <laughs> so I, that kind of went on for ages. And I, oh God, I was, I was in the police station for a long time, a long, long, long time. And, and eventually, anyway, they, um, they. So you want to get back to your hotel? And take it up from exactly. there. You you can if you you have a laptop, so therefore you could get find my iPhone yeah. on it. Yeah, exactly. You probably thought now when my phone dropped that my phone that this phone that I've lent off another uh, friend was probably whipped out of my hands, but that wasn't <laughs> the case. So so anyway, here here we were going back and in, in well we upgraded to a van now at this point, and uh, I'm sitting in between two officers and uh they're still singing the song to me like they're having a great time it's absolutely brilliant you know and uh, we're driving down the road and we're flashing the lights and like they're asking me am i married again and where your husband where your husband and i'm like making a complete mental note to myself i was like god i better get a ring here now because this is <laughs> and is, it in, is that intimidating like, jolene were you nervous like um to, to be honest i i wasn't very kind of like you know, comfortable in the situation. I like now that it's all over, and you kind of look back at it, and I kind of, you know, calm down a little bit. I can, I can see light and kind of, you know, the humor that that happened. But definitely, I think when it was all going on, I wasn't, I wasn't too comfortable. And no, no, I would say. And like, I, I kind of have that feeling around here as well. Like you, you can see that, like, you know, men are definitely the kind of the, the dominant folk around like mm. and um yeah it's like uh, walking around as, as a single woman you're you're definitely uh, i suppose a little bit of a target yeah. um but anyway i'm still safe good, <laughs> so don't good, worry good. <laughs> so you got so back worry. to the hotel so um got back to the hotel and 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 i did actually i had my laptop as you said so i could see the exact location of the phone which was only like three kilometers away so I went down to the reception and, and the guy there was just really sympathetic. And he, he was like, you know what? We're going to find your phone. I call my friend. He's a taxi man. He look after you. Um, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, don't trust anyone. OK, let's go. <laughs> you know? So uh, we, we go back to the police station and, and I, I show the guys. I'm like, look, this is exactly where the phone is, you know. Mm. But to be honest, like they were as laid back now. I'd say they had no interest at all. And it, like they were just humoring me, you know. Mm. Um, and the my taxi man then and I, we, we persuaded them. They were like, you know, we got to find the phone. Like it's it's a valuable piece of equipment. You're the police. You know, you have to help us. So. They did, you know, and, and it was also kind of the change of shifts I was on. So, like, there was all this kind of bit of ceremony and it was handcuffs handed over and you sit here and you sit here and I'm kind of, like, hurtled into another car and, like, we're all squashed and I'm going, like, Jesus, like... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I mean, if we're going to arrest a fella, where are we even going to put him? <laughs> What's going through my head? Like, so... It's another kind of a nighttime escapade, anyway, through Casablanca, and we're up and down the streets. And, and the taxi driver the, is also there with you. Oh, the taxi driver here now is with me because he's he's my protector, you know. <laughs> so, so, so uh, anyway, we we drive around, we find the location. <sighs> Do you know the la- the the police guys? Like, they were lovely, but to be honest, now they they weren't really. Um, you know, too pushed about. And was it in it. A, it was, where, where was it? Was it a residential area? Was it an apartment uh, block? I, yeah, kind of a residential apartment area. And, and you know, I, I can imagine, of course, it would be hard to find, of course, is like, you know, sky high blocks and, and like one pinpoint could be a potential of 100 different people living there, you know? Sure. Um, so they, they, you know, assured me that they, they'd look out for it and they'd come back to me tomorrow. Now, this is what you didn't hear on Facebook because the the, the story did continue the following day. Right. And one of the <laughs> one of the police officers um, who uh, actually came back to me and uh, came into the hotel and um, he was all dressed up in his police gear and he went to the reception man and he was like uh, did Jolene get her phone no and he said to the reception I think that um, we didn't look after her I will look after her and at this point now my friend had come over mm-hmm. and uh, he was like I'll take you to the phone so we get into his car <laughs> another car right? another car and it's his normal car and we're off looking for the phone and he's got like his sidekick who's on a motorbike and he tells me he's the kickboxing champion of um, Africa. <laughs> and do you know what? It was all just a little bit too much really. So we were like, just take us back to the hotel. It's fine. We live without it. Life goes on. Say what was he going to do? Find the phone and have his pal the he kickboxer? Who knows? I don't know what the uh, modus operandus was here, but um, <laughs> there was there was quite a few questions as to my age and my marital oh, status geez. once more. <laughs> so, so, and uh, like there was a bit of driving through red lights and kind of texting, no seatbelts, oh, you know, kind of like, yeah, it was a bit wild. But anyway, PJ, don't worry. I'm going to have a wonderful time in Morocco. <laughs> what, what are you, what's, what's taking you there anyway? Is it just a holiday or what is it? Uh, a, a, a bit of... A bit of adventure, which I've definitely found. Um, I'm actually after joining a group tour as of last night now. So I'm I'm with a with with a really nice gang of people from all over the world, and we're going to do um, a 15 day uh, wander around. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. And that's what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? I might be back to you next week with more stories. <laughs> <laughs> you might find the phone. <laughs> and you've, you've you've got a camera and you've got a laptop, so you'll be taking more pictures. Uh, exactly, exactly. And that's the thing. You know, I'm I'm, I'm such a kind of like. Um, a visual person and I love kind of like telling stories with with little phones and videos and anecdotes like this but you know when it's kind of taken from under you you kind of realize how reliant we are in these devices and like yeah. even you know telling the time I have to go around and be like hey what time is it I know. you know where are we meeting or where are we and like 
pulling out a paper map is is kind of like an alien experience at the moment, isn't it? Your, your, We're so used to phones. Your description of 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 the scene in the police station is like that's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. It reminds me of a time I managed to get arrested in India, but that's a whole morning's discussion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, let, let us not worry. We're having a good time. There's good people uh, here. And right. uh, yeah, we'll be all good. All right. Safe travels, Jolene. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. <laughs> the, well, yeah, the, the arrested in India bit is... <laughs> um, I was in a place called Pusha Party. Um, it's a pilgrimage town. And a friend of mine, who should remain nameless for the sake of the story, has an apartment there. And the last outpost, about 12 miles out of Potaparty, there's an outpost. And, hey, listen, we bought beer, all right? I, they didn't, I did, I bought beer. Just a few bottles, literally half a dozen bottles of beer, and put them into the boot of the taxi in which we were travelling. Because that's the last place you can buy a beer. Potaparty's a, a dry town, there's no beer there. And as we, ar- as we approached the edge of town... We suddenly realised that the taxi driver was in league with the cops. So we were, the taxi was sort of flagged down and he parked and we were ordered to get out and he searched and of course the boot was opened and there's my, I think it was 12 bottles of Kingfisher I'd got for about, I think about 5 euro it cost you over there. There's my 12 bottles and one, I think one of my friends had a bottle of vodka with her flee they arrested us and they brought us into a little small tiny little cop shop which was probably no bigger than this studio and with another small room off it and we sat there for about uh, two hours I didn't have it was monstrously hot in the place there was no air conditioning they hadn't much English we certainly had none of the local language my friend who had the apartment, was trying to get con- get in contact with someone that she knew who was a well-known local official who might be able to negotiate the hand. So we sat there sweating bricks for about two hours because we've been arrested with drinking a dry town. And they're not going to give us the death penalty or anything, but you're wondering what the hell is going to go on here. And after a while, we're sitting there going, what are we going to do now? Sitting along in line. And I swear to God, as soon as I'm sitting here, I heard a voice in the other room. Is this what I come to get me paperwork stamped to stay another month? A Cork accent as thick as my own in the... So what did I do? I let a roar out of me in Irish. And will far o'erin lash way, says I. Is there a fellow from Ireland outside? And the head came around the door and I didn't know him but he knew me. And he goes, my God almighty, what's after happening to you? So... We told him, the police are sitting, policeman sitting there looking and going, what the hell? So my friend got him to go and seek out the local official, etc., etc. Phone rang, we were released from the, from the station. After about four hours, all we were was hot and sweaty and kind of embarrassed about it all. But here's the best bit. As we got back to, because the taxi driver was lifted as well, as we got back to the taxi, the cop ordered the taxi man to pop the boot again. And what's he do? He took $20 off each of us as a fine and took six of my bottles of beer and made off to a dry town with six bottles of my beer. And that's my story of getting arrested in India.
on Jolene's story, a few things coming in about it, and I'll get back to most of them in a minute, but that lady had her phone stolen and she's laughing her way through the story. Also, there were phone zombies walking around everywhere, walking across roads, out in front of traffic, walking around at night with zero awareness of their surroundings or who might be about to attack them or whatever. It's insane how irresponsible people are walking around your head stuck in a phone. You need to go back to common sense school. This lady's making robbing someone sound very appealing for any scumbags who might be listening. Giggling, explaining a robbery is bizarre, says Noel. She was laughing at the funny side of it now, and she wasn't going to walk in aimlessly. If I remember the way she told her story, she was actually trying to find her hotel on Google Maps to get back to it. So she was using her phone for one of the things it's intended to be used, but the point is, is, is taken, Noel. And people walking around with their face stuck in a phone, yeah. You see that? You would see that walking out in front of cars with their phone up in front of them, and because they see nothing but what's there. That's a, a valid point. Thanks, Noel. 0818 96 96 96. We were laughing last night. I was with my family yesterday, um, and we were laughing about, of all things, throuples. Did you see that over the last few days? I had this. I had the article in front of me on Friday about this about Una Una Healy from from the Saturdays, or formerly from the Saturdays, who apparently is now in a trouble. Uh, she took to social media last Wednesday from actually from Morocco, interestingly, from Morocco, where she has been soaking up the sun, and uh, she is with uh, boxing star David Hay, who is well-known, and his girlfriend, called Shan, who've been dating since 2020, and the three of them are pictured together at a dinner in Marrakesh, all three of them holding hands. And it is apparently a throuple. Now, I don't know about would I draw the stress of that upon myself, but it seems to be a thing. It seems to be a thing that many people are involved in. Kate McGrew, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Um, Thruples. And to you. Thruples. Tell me all about Thruples. Well, it's one of many different configurations that people are giving a go these days um, transparently. So I think it's quite in- inspiring to see people be forthcoming and unapologetic about leaning into their desires and um, being accountable to them. So it can be a configuration of two women and one man or two men and one woman or what have you. Yeah, and it, they all interact with each other, shall we say. It's not like a fellow having two girlfriends. They all do interact with each other. That's correct, yes. And I think you're right. I think um, it it, it would take a bit of work. And for that reason, you know, uh, a quote-unquote regular relationship takes a bit of work. So to throw another person into the mix, um, fair play to them. Because it would take a great deal of communication and... uh, and sensitivity towards each other. Like, wouldn't jealousy get in the way at all? I mean, he's been going out with this first, this Shan lady since 2020, and now Unahili's on the scene. Um, like, how do you, you don't, they didn't start at the same time. It's, it's, it's all a bit, would you draw the trouble on yourself, Kate, really? Would you draw that on yourself? <laughs> I mean, I, I say for, for myself, it's something like sea swimming. You know, I personally wouldn't suggest it, but I say <laughs> I would really enjoy it. So um, 
Indeed. I mean, I think that they know going into it that jealousy is something that's going to pop up. And um, all of the people that I know that have been in, in Trumples are very aware of it, very conscientious of that, and, and work very hard to, to address it on the nose with each other. Oh, you've come across people who are in Trumples, are you? Yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. For is, sure. Is there, is there a lot of it? In, 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 certainly, it's the first there one is. I've heard of. No, there is a good bit of it. There certainly is, especially, you know, nowadays as people are are coming out in, in um, unorthodox, we'll say, uh, expressions of their sex and their um, passion and their gender, people are feeling freer to try different things. And um, and I think it certainly is trending well, you know, what, what, what people need to be uh, seeing, especially even in families and stuff, is is, is love and, and good communication. Mm. And and all, all of these throuples that I've seen take a whole lot of that, for sure. Because I, I, I can't imagine what would happen, Kate, if I arrived home uh, to the front door of my house with another woman and said, we're going to have a throuple here. I don't think that's how it starts, is it? Yes, I don't think so either, you know, and it's not, it's not for myself to tell, to tell anybody how to, um, how to run their family. And I'm, I'm sure people take very seriously how they bring people into, into the lives of their, of their close ones. Mm. But, um, you know, like I said, like, um, you know, the most important thing is, is, is witnessing healthy relationships. And, you know, people are resilient, even kids are resilient. And, and we all grow to, to cope with um, different variations of imperfect imbalances every single one of us it's inevitable it's just to be human and mm. so i think that especially to see um you know allegedly that the way that as i said they're being so sort of forthcoming and confident in the way that they're expressing it i think that's only a good sign about them them sort of thinking it through and, and showing an amount of stability okay. and sincerity Okay. All right, Kate. Thank you very much. That's Kate McGrew on throuples. I, I wouldn't draw it on me. I would not draw it upon myself. But Una Healy, there are, and there's a picture. I have a picture here in the from the Sunday World actually. Uh, there they are with David Hay, the boxer, who is to say familiar. Um, and there's Una, and there's his other girlfriend Sian, and they are at dinner uh, in Morocco, and. Uh, is there a bit of footsie going on under the table? I can't see for sure. But the three of them are holding hands across the dinner table. Um, it wouldn't be my thing. I'll be very straightforward and honest with you. It wouldn't be my thing. I think not at all. But <laughs> if it's what you're into, it's what you're into. 0818 96 96 96. On the story from, uh, J- from Jolene uh, about Morocco... And the phone, and the police, and all the fellas asking her, was she married? John, a single woman travelling alone in an Islamic country is asking for disaster. Bit of a generalisation, John, but your point is taken. Um, And then, remember Kate was on with me after 10 about the tragedy in Carrigaline over the Christmas, where Sean died in a house fire, and the house is destroyed, and there's a GoFundMe with 23,000 in it to help with his son to maybe rebuild and refurbish the house. And Kate was asking, could we get one of these DIY SOS operations going to maybe have the people of the community come together and tradespeople give their time and all that and maybe rebuild the house for 
uh, young David in the wake of, and Kate got a little bit upset because she knew Sean, the man who died, and she'd spoken to him just before Christmas and he talked to her briefly about having Christmas with his son and how he was looking forward to it and as you, you, may, you might have heard if you were listening, Kate got a bit upset at that, but Kate was making the point that, you know, we do DIY SOSs and we do these projects she said for people coming in from Ukraine and from other places, why couldn't we for now just do one for one of our own local community people uh, and she was making that point as, be- as best she can. Somebody said, what a racist, Kate, positioning a divide between Irish people and Ukrainians. Build a guy's house for sure. But using language like people not from here uh, and one of our own is poor form. And that's from Owen. I, I, I gave Kate a pass on it, Owen, because she knew the man and she's upset and all that. Uh, Yes, I'm not too comfortable with language like one of our own or that kind of thing. But I think on the day I chose to give Kate a pass. Kate's a regular on the show, one of our frequent callers and always very measured and sensible. And I don't think the woman would have a racist bone in her body. But give her a pass on the language because she was upset, shall we say. 0818 96 96 96. Talk about people passing away. Poor old Poddy Palmer, we opened the show with it this morning, and I got a lovely message there, if I can find it. Yeah, um, Sunday, 8th January, will be remembered as a sad day in the GA community. It's lost a gentleman and a great commentator who was a super character and a fantastic writer for The Echo. He brought laughter with his sense of humour. May he rest in peace. Little tribute to Poddy and lots of people mentioning Poddy in our social media during the morning. Someone else that uh, passed away before the weekend and it was my buddy Connor the lounge man uh, who put this up on his social media and that's how I found out about it of a man who I hadn't seen for a long time but uh, the great Jack Briley uh, passed away at the weekend uh, Jack, this is, and this is Connor texting us this morning now the lounge man he said Jack was a brilliant and a very underrated musician and a great guy to be around. We had the same passion for our genre of music and he'd get a great kick out of accompanying me when we'd swap shifts at Hayfield Manor always with a smile and a kind word. It never goes astray Con, he used to say with a wink I will miss him terribly love the show and that's from the loungeman and I'm sorry uh, loungey for the loss of your friend. I didn't know Jack I didn't know Jack well I would have met him over the years in Carrick Line and come across him at various events I was involved in doing his music and he was a fabulous musician he was a very 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 fine musician and a lovely lovely man lovely man always with a smile and a joke and a story um, so yeah Jack Briley he was, he was 91 I, I believe he was originally from Cove I found that out at the weekend he lived in Carrick Line and was part of the fabric of Carrick Line but uh, I think he was originally from from Cove uh, someone was pointing that out on social media over the weekend. So any of his friends down there, uh, our thoughts with you today. Live free in 23. Oh, my God! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money, money. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we want you to live free in 23. We'll cut the cost of living. I mean, slash it, hack it to bits for one loyal listener. For the ultimate live free grand prize. What'll you win? Well, just think of anything you can think of, and it's bigger and better than that. 
There's a holiday in it. There's free fuel. You're shopping from the supermarket. Concert tickets. There's a credit union account to be opened for you with cash in it. There's computers. There's electrical goods. There's fashion, beauty. Loads, loads more. Like, all this for one person who will live free in 23. Listen from next Monday for to find out more and get your chance to win to text or WhatsApp in to win. Live free in 23. Brought to you by the Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. And it's only on Cork's 96 FM. Don't get left behind. Order your 231 new Toyota now from Lahan Motors on the airport road. Choose from self-charging hybrids, plug-in hybrids, or full electric. We have competitive PCP rates available. Toyota, the number one selling car brand in Ireland. Test drive your new car at Lahan Motors. Airport road today. Advanced Cancer Care, close to home. That's what you will find right here in Cork at the Bon Secours Radiotherapy Centre in partnership with UPMC Hillman Cancer Centre. We are the only facility in Munster with fast and precise stereotactic radiosurgery. And with more options to treat cancer, together we'll determine the best course of treatment to get you back to living life to the fullest. Learn more by calling 021-486-1100. In life, it's always good to be flexible, to be open to new ideas, and put yourself in the driving seat to get what you need. That's why at Alliance, our insurance policies revolve around you, so you only pay for the cover you need, and not for the things you don't. Visit Alliance.ie to save 15% on your car insurance and 10% on your home insurance today. Alliance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Standard acceptance criteria, minimum premiums and terms and conditions apply. Cork's 96FM. Warming up your home this winter with new season curtains and bedding. View in store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or at harrycorry.com. Harry Curry, see what's in store. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96. We got a, an email uh, last couple of days from Dave. Uh, D- Dave is in the same position as hundreds of others at the moment, myself included, because I'm on a tracker mortgage. And I was originally the fella who didn't know what a tracker I was the guy on the bus. Do you know the fella? I don't know what a tracker I was until I got a letter in from my mortgage provider one time uh, offering me, because they're coming to the end of a fixed rate, offering me a number of different rates. And down the end was a tracker. And I, I rang my brother, who knows more about these things than I do, and he said, sign the blasted thing, sign it now, and put it in the front door before they change their minds. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 <laughs> Kevin, my thoughts exactly. Um, unfortunately, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get into it. I'll probably be sacked on the spot. But anyway, Kevin says a pity you didn't finish that that story from Morocco um, by fading into a blast of Jolene by Donny Parton. Didn't have the presence of mind to think it up, Kevin, on the spot. But if I had, I probably would have been dragged out into the street and formally sacked for playing Jolie. You never... <laughs> it's good, It's good though. It did occur to me. 
0818969696 the number of the text or whatsapp is 0833969696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie now a serious subject is of course bullying um, as someone who was bullied in school uh, years and years and years ago I was quite seriously bullied in school and I spoke out about it maybe 10 or 15 years ago I spoke about it on radio for the for the first time ever and I have a very very low tolerance for bullying of any kind um, school workplace wherever um, but there was an article that I read over the Christmas um, and it was a survey that they did the Workplace Bullying Institute. Now, I've never heard of them up to, until now before either. The Workplace Bullying Institute found that 80% of the time, women are bullied in the workplace by other women, which is very strange. Uh, it brought, in, I'm reading from one of the newspapers here, um, the Telegraph, it, it brought to my a quote from the former US Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, who said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Um, and with the whole Emily in Paris season three on the television, that made it more relevant again. The idea that this finding that 80% of women who were bullied in the workplace are bullied by by other women. Quiva Burke is from Burke Consulting HR. Is that... Um, a statistic you'd go along with, Quiva. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, you know what? It's um, it was a, it was a statistic that quite honestly surprised me because I think as as a society we have come so much further when it comes to a zero tolerance policy around bullying and harassment. But at the same time, like you just you just don't know. And I think a lot of times bullying can be quite subtle. It might be the cold treatment or more favorable treatment towards somebody else. It might be somebody micromanaging or increasing or decreasing your workload. It, it can't, I guess at times it's not super obvious. It's different if, you know, somebody comes into a room and starts having to go at you very publicly in front of your colleagues. But sometimes bullying is nuanced, unfortunately. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad. It, it just makes somebody's life so much more difficult. So is the perception of what is bullying, Quiva, I too, because, yeah. you know, two people might interact and that's how they interact. And then yeah. one of them interacts with somebody else in the same way and it leads to an accusation of bullying. How you, how you take how something is said can be a perception yeah. of bullying, you know? When it Absolutely. Isn't. And, you know, yeah, exactly. And I think context, context is everything. Like, for example, you know, what, what bullying isn't is, let's say, you know, your manager is sitting down and giving you some feedback related to your performance that's constructive and very much intended to assist you, right, in your day-to-day career development, whatever the case may be. But if it is the case that, you know, people are coming into the office with sheer dread because of an interaction that they just know is going to take place, be it based on precedent or what they're used to, then, you know, that, that, that is something that, you know, most certainly somebody needs to go to management about. It, you know, at the same time, when it comes to bullying in the workplace, you know, you have to wonder, is that because the manager is under pressure themselves or is it that they feel, right, well, I had to pave such a hard road to get to where I'm at, therefore... Mm. 
you know, I'm going to make it a little bit difficult consciously or unconsciously for the team I'm bringing up behind me. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's nuanced. It's not straightforward. Yeah, another, another nuance is that some people, they have a, a sharp tongue. It's just the way they yeah. are. They, they don't mean yeah. any, they just have a sharp tongue and what, what, what my, wife, my wife might call acerbic wit. And the first time you come on the end of that sharp tongue, it can be, whoo, shit. But yeah, then you realize that's 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 just Tom or that's just Mary. She's actually I lovely know. or he's a fabulous fella. That's just him. That's not bullying either, or is it? Um, it depends because what what might be you know what might roll off your back, somebody else might completely fester on, and it might cause them great anxiety. And I think that's the big thing. I think one of the big things with with managers, both male and female, is that they they have to adapt their style somewhat to the audience mm. that they're managing. And and the reality is is that people, as I said, I think society has come a long way. I think you know you know there is very much a zero tolerance, you know zero tolerance for bullying in workplaces. I think leadership leadership teams are 100% behind that. Mm. But at the same time, if if I'm there and I don't respond to your wish the way that Jane or Tom or Sally or whoever else does, then you as a manager, you're not going to keep me, you're going to lose me. It's going to be harder to uh, get me engaged in the day-to-day, get the best work out of me. So I, I do think that as much as it what's good for one might not be good for the other. Mm. Managers need to see that. Like That's why they're there in positions of leadership. Yes. Do are, are there more women bullied by other women according to, as, as this survey seems to find? Do you think? You know, quite possibly. I think it's, um, I think, you know, industry specific as well. Like, you know, there's certainly, you know, the idea that in more um, female centric industries, you know, be it retail or childcare or nursing, there's more women managing women. So is that part of the reason why the mm. survey found? Because I'd actually, I, I don't know um, sector specific who they went to, mm. but it could be the case that if they were surveying um, industries where people were in more, I guess, female-centric industries that there's more women just managing women in those mm-hmm. scenarios. So it, 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 it used to be often reason. said, Griva, and in this industry, it's like any other industry, that a woman has to work twice as hard to get half as far. Um, I know, you'd, you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd hope that wasn't still the case. Perhaps it is. But perhaps it is, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, if you're, if you're a woman, in, if you're a woman, women, in, uh, you know, in a leadership position, you know, is there a need to maybe potentially fit in with your male peers? Because the majority of, you know, leadership positions, um, certainly in Fortune 500 companies, I think maybe 8% is held. That's the statistic by by women. So yeah. the environment is, it's less balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Do, you have to, yeah. do you have to be tougher to, to succeed in that environment? Yeah, yeah potentially. And Absolutely. Could, could that right? be perceived as being a bully then, you see? Yeah. And that's it. And it's unfortunate because, you know, and it, it's, you know, there's definitely biases that exist. You know, if, if, if a woman is confident and stands up in a room and, you know, she's making a point that's particularly direct to some people, that's going to be like, oh, she's been pushy or, you know, it's not going to be as potentially as well accepted yeah. as if it's coming from a male yeah. in a similar yeah. position. Do, do so think, there's still those biases. Do, do you think we judge an outspoken female manager differently to an outspoken male manager? That's the question. 
Yeah, I think it depends on the environment. Like I keep bringing it back to that. It also depends on what people are being exposed to. Like I think like like women in the workplace and women in managerial leadership positions in the workplace is absolutely paramount for the success of any business. Like there's no doubt about it. And I think the skill set that women bring to the role of leadership is different, but just as powerful. And I think for women that are coming up in the ranks and look, it's not going to be the case for all women. Like I've, I personally have worked with wonderful female managers that have absolutely mentored and guided me and and I you know working with different businesses and seeing how their female leaders bring people along it's there it's it's not that it's absent but I think if I think if it's the case that somebody is consciously making somebody's day harder like mm. a female to female relationship like that's that's on the manager like the manager really needs to take like a check and see okay am I doing that unnecessarily but again the numbers will speak for themselves because people will leave they won't stay so if you want to get the most out of your team and develop and mm. grow as a leader and potentially become you know more successful in terms of going up the ranks if that's yeah. what you're chasing you've got to bring a team with you mm. and male female you've got to bring them with you coming from the HR background you'll know at the moment you can do that because we're at virtually full employment there, there will be someone who'll have you tomorrow 100%. So, and I think if, if you're, you know, maybe somebody unconsciously is doing this, right? They don't actually recognize that they're, that what they're saying and, and how they're saying it is having effect on the people that they manage. The numbers will talk for themselves because people won't be maybe as excited to work on projects with you or they, they, they will, as I said, they will leave. They won't give their best. So if you're noticing a pattern mm. of people consistently leaving you, you would definitely best place to have to think about why that might be the case for your own benefit right there's lots of resources out there to help people develop managerial skills and if being softer is one of them that's that's okay should we and i mean by we i mean the general workforce around should should we call out what we perceive to be bullying when we see it absolutely like the majority of now as i said what we perceive to be bullying the manager that is managing you might not necessarily know that how they're coming across is in fact putting you at unease or discomfort mm. or is affecting you negatively in your day to day. So I think, you know, again, at the same time, it's very hard to go directly to that person for a lot of people and be like, oh, hey, what you said in that meeting or how you deliver that feedback to me, I didn't feel comfortable saying that. Not a lot of people will do that when it comes down to it. So in the absence of, you know, being confident in doing that yourself, I think, go to another manager or go to HR. Now, not all places will have HR, but go to somebody at a level above you that has some perspective and get their input and see if they are in a position. And um, there's, there's always going to be somebody that you can go to. Mm. And in the absence of being able to do that, you know, legislatively, employer or employers, so organizations are required to protect their staff and make sure that they feel comfortable. And yeah, but I would say people, you need to speak up because when you don't, or if you just say it to your peers, you're not necessary. You might use your peers as validation for, mm. let's say, an experience that you've had, but you've got, you've, you've, you've got to go to management to really address the situation. Okay. And if you can go to the person, all the better. Yeah. Okay, Quiva, thank you. Quiva Burke from Burke Consulting uh, HR 0818 96, 96 96 I knew somebody recently who went back to work after uh, quite a number of years at home with her children and went back to work in the area of retail and that's all I shall say and two or three days into the new job realised I ain't staying because the 
manager or the supervisor on the shop floor was, she found, so thoroughly unpleasant to work with that this I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to work for the few weeks I said I'd work and then I'm gone because I'm not going to take that unpleasantness on the shop floor. So it's out there. And it was a woman. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Just on the subject, was it Michael I was talking to earlier on about the fact that the government has put down a deposit on a new cargo jet for the Air Corps? And was it, yeah, Michael was making the point, well, haven't we, it'll cost possibly 50 million by the time it's all done. Haven't we got better things to be spending 50 million on, like hospital beds and, and doctors and nurses to staff those hospital beds? Just as one thought, um, is it right to be spending that kind of money on a plane for, for the Air Corps? Tom came back to say, I would dismiss that man's argument because when the Irish Rangers were needed in Kabul, to get the embassy and the other Irish staff out when the Americans withdrew, they had to scrounge a lift and were under pressure because every country was also trying to get their military across there. We didn't have a plane of our own. We had to literally from a lift from another military. So, yeah, thanks for that, Tom. 0818 96 96 96. Live free in 23. Oh, my God! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money. Money. 96 FM. Yeah, like no matter how big you think this is, it's it's bigger. And it all starts next week. Corks 96 FM wants to completely cut the cost of living for one loyal listener throughout 2023. There's a holiday involved. Free fuel. Shopping at the supermarket. Concert tickets. There's a credit union account with your name on it and cash in it. It's computers, electrical goods, fashion, beauty, you name it. It's in there. Whatever you think this is, it's bigger. Uh, listen in from next Monday for your chance to text to WhatsApp to be part of it all. And live free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always, only on Cork's 96 FM. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned this before the news at 11. If you're one of the hundreds of people uh, still on tracker mortgages, these are... Worrying times. It's worrying times for everybody as mortgage rates go up, but particularly people on track of mortgages because when the European Central Bank announces a mortgage increase, it goes straight onto your mortgage. No discussion. That's what a tracker is. And so for years, we had the ECB at zero and, and below zero uh, at one point or another, and all you paid then was your, was your tracker, your tracker amount. It was great. Happy days. But in the last 12 months, there have been quite a number of ECB, European Central Bank, increases. And it looks into 23 as if there will be more, at least two more, if not uh, extra on top of that. We got this email from Dave. He said, PJ, I have a tracker mortgage. I'm now paying an extra €500 Euro a month. Wow. It's a complete nightmare. Can you get some advice from me on what to do? Because I'm at my wit's end. Should, should I move providers? Should I stay put? I know we had it good for a long time, but €500 Euro a month onto my usual mortgage is unsustainable. Um, help, says Dave. And if, if you're already paying €500 Euro a month, three more 
announcements to come. We got another letter there before Christmas from our provider to say it's gone up. No, thankfully, it's gone up. Nothing like that, but God. Uh, so... Uh, it's it's time to figure out what to do if you have a, a tracker mortgage. Uh, Joey Sheehan of MyMortgages.ie. Joey, the happy days are over for, for, for tracker mortgage holders, aren't they really? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, so I suppose tracker uh, rate borrowers have had it good for probably a decade at this stage mm. where if they had a 1% margin, they're virtually paying little or no interest. Uh, on a mortgage. Now, I just did a quick calculation there. If you took a 200,000 mortgage with 15 years left, most of these tracker mortgages would have been issued around 2005, 6, 7, 8. So maybe 15 years left would be the average. <clears throat> so it, at 1%, if rates didn't increase six months ago, they'd be paying roughly around 1,200 a month. Now with the 2%, 2.5% increase, they're paying an extra 230 a month or about 2,780 per year which is a huge drain on anybody, no matter what their financial circumstances are. Now, I suppose the next question is, what do they do now? Um, So they can stick with what they have, uh, which there's uncertainty because rates probably will rise further, or they could look at taking a fixed rate with their existing bank or with a new bank. And we're seeing huge inquiries at my mortgages, people looking to, you know, consider fixing. Now, the only caveat against fixing is that with most lenders, the tracker rate will be lost. So people need to be aware of that, that if if you take a fixed rate, yes, you'll have certainty for that fixed rate period, three, five, seven, ten years, but the tracker rate will be lost. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of people looking to fix at the moment. Yeah. Losing the tracker, there there is no way to get it back. So, So deciding to fix or deciding to change, that's not a decision you can reverse. You should be cognizant of that, correct? Exactly. So, so um, you know, if you have 10 years left in your mortgage and you can take a 10-year fixed now, then you have no risk uh, of future rate increases. So in that scenario, it might be worth considering. Whereas if you have, you know, let's say 20 years left on a tracker rate and you can only fix with, depending on the bank, might only allow maybe five years, then you still would have 15 years of uncertainty after year five. So it's definitely worth taking advice from a broker before you make any decision. Yeah, you used that great word there, Joey, uncertainty. And I'm long enough around to recall a time when we were fixed and then in the middle of it, the ECB rate began to tumble and we could do nothing about that. We were locked in. With regard to the European Central Bank, interest rates, yes, they are predicted to go up as a two or three times more by the middle of this year. They should turn, though, and most people will hold on and say, they're surely going to turn. Do you think they'll turn? Um, yeah, r- rates will go. They've increased 2.5% in the last six months. <clears throat> they probably will go another you know, 1% to 2% uh, over the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, they will plateau out at a high at some point, maybe the middle to the end of this year. And then the question is, how long will they stay there yeah. before they start to recede back? Uh, and I suppose that that's the million-dollar question, PJ. Um, we don't know. Um, and I suppose if somebody's at the pin of their collar now trying to make mortgage repayments <clears throat> and they can't uh, increase, um, you know, if an increase is going to affect them, then they should consider fixing. Um, whereas if somebody, you know, doesn't want to be paying the interest, but they can afford it, yeah. um, you know, may- maybe they might ride it out. Um, wh- whereas the person who, who's at the pin of their collar needs to really give a serious consideration, you know. It, it really is an in, for an individual to sit down, I guess, Joey, with their financial advisor and decide what they can sustain. 
if someone does want to switch or does want to fix, that's where you come in because mortgages, most, most people, they're surrounded by paperwork, afraid of their living life, what to do with it. So, so that's where you come in. Exactly. So, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing a huge level of inquiries even since January 1st, uh, PJ. Obviously, the, the lending limits have increased so people can borrow four times income. That's for first-time buyers. It also includes separated or divorced people. Mm. Um, second-time buyers can now borrow 90%. And some lenders have increased their rates significantly, um, you know, over the last year since the cost of lending increased. And some borrowers coming out of fixed rates are seeing huge, huge jumps in their in their repayments. So we're getting huge inquiries as well from tracker mortgages, but also from people that have just taken up mortgages in the last, you know, three to five years that are looking to reduce their interest rate. And you know the way you can now go on a website and change your electricity provider at a few clicks of a mouse, and literally, it's got to be surely more complicated to move your mortgage, is it? It is, but if you contact us uh, at my mortgages, we can tell you in a matter of minutes over the phone what we can do. Now, it will take, you know, it could take a month or a couple of months to, yeah. to process an application, but ultimately we, we will get there. Um, but there is a bit of paperwork and all that involved. But, uh, you know, it, it baffles me sometimes how people don't do more switching because the savings, like in this example, we're saying people could be paying 2780 extra uh, on a tracker mortgage by doing nothing. Um, so if you're on a higher rate or, or if there's going to be further increases, you know, there's significant savings and that's year on year. So over a 10 year period, that could be, you know, into the 20,000s. And say, look, for Dave here, who, who wrote to us, like if he wanted to move, he, he contacts mymortgages.ie. What, what paperwork does he have to have ready? We'll go through all that with him, but generally it, it'll be, you know, pay slips, bank statements, that type of thing. Um, so we, we, we'll go through all of that uh, photo ID as well. Does he need a solicitor? He would need a solicitor to switch as well, yeah. But most of the banks would, you know, have something to cover the cost of switching, mm-hmm. the legal fees. So they might have a, you know, a, an inducement, a couple of thousand euro or something like that uh, to cover legal fees. Gotcha. And lastly, Joey, where do you see, we're at the very start of 2023, we've had three or four interest rate hikes already. Where do you see us being in 12 months? Uh, commentators would say in the region of 1, one to 2% extra from here. So, you know, I think the ECB base rate now is at 2.5%. Um, probably hit 4 be my guess, uh, there thereabouts. Um, now, just one thing to note as well, PJ, the flip side of this coin is that this suits the banks. Um, so the shares in some of the banks in the last six months have, have jumped about 50%. Yeah. Um, because the more interest they're taking in, obviously, the more profits they're making. I remember a, a commentator giving me a piece of advice a number of years ago, Joey, a well-known commentator, saying, let them prize your tracker out of your cold, dead hands. It may be time to rethink that advice. Exactly, and each each circumstance is different. So depending on the tracker margin also, so some people have a tracker margin maybe 0.5 or 0.6% over the ECB rate. Other people, it could be as high as maybe 2%. Yeah. So the person at 2%, you know, it's not as valuable as the person at 0.5%. So each scenario is different. Also, how many years are left on the mortgage? So if it's five years left versus 15 years left, you know, five years is less time. Mm. Uh, so, so it's not as much of a risk to somebody, whereas the longer the, the term left, the more consideration they need to give to, to you know, a fixed rate. Mm. Decision time and my mortgages.ie is where they go to make that. Joey, thank you very much. Thanks, BJ. Cheers, Joey. It is uncertain. It is uncertain. We've had, as I said before, we've had another letter in. Um, mortgage gone up another couple of quid. Uh, thankfully, it's it's quite sustainable. Thankfully, 
it's sustainable for us, but for poor Dave, it's not sustainable. And with more increases coming, should Dave fix? Should Dave move? What should Dave do? I don't know what we're going to do. I'm waiting for that. We usually get a statement at the end of January um, from the previous year. So when we get that statement, then we'll have a look and see where we go. But I'm of a mind. I'm, I'm of a mind to stick now to, to try and get it fixed. I, I really am because if it goes up another two or three percent, like it's it's hard. It's hard to find that money, and for some people, it's harder than others. For Dave in particular, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Here's something. Um, James wants to make this point. He says three recent murders that seized the attention of the nation were committed by foreign nationals. For the love of me, says James, I don't understand why the country of origin of the accused person isn't highlighted. I think the government should now make a statement about all the murders being committed by foreign nationals. Uh, Can't see it happening, James, but your point is taken. 0818 96 96 96. Anthropos. David Hay with Una Healy and his original girlfriend, Sian. <laughs> what happens when one of them gets pregnant? Do they all share nappy-changing duties? Like, that's a, a legal minefield in itself. But one last time, we will let you hear the voice of our wonderful and esteemed and sadly dearly departed colleague, Paddy Parma. We'll let you hear that voice again before the end of the show. People messaging us all morning how wonderful he was and how great his commentaries were. And I mentioned that I often loved to hear him listening, to hear him doing a local match rather than a, an interna- or a inter-county game because the, his knowledge of the local background of all the players and all the teams, it was just fantastic to listen to. Sometimes you'd be listening to him and you'd wonder what a foreigner would make of it with how he used to do it. And that was Paddy's unique charm and his unique brilliance as a commentator. He would often as well, he would often describe his surroundings for the listener. And I always remember one evening, I was driving back from Dublin at the time and I had, uh, there was a match on and I knew Paddy would be doing it and I said for the sheer entertainment of the commentary, I would Tune in as soon as I came into listening range. I tuned in, and there's my there's Paddy on a summer's evening, and it was a, a relatively late throw in, but it was a, it was a summer evening, and he began the commentary by saying, "That sun better go down quickly, or otherwise I'll have to make this up as I go along." He couldn't see a thing with the setting sun. Ah, it was just brilliant. He was just another time. I remember him shouting at a referee, literally standing up at the comedy bar, roaring at the referee to blow the final whistle because his heart wouldn't take it. Ah, oh, listen, he was great, and we'll hear more of Paddy uh, before we finish. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. Call us now. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's ninety six. On the subject of bullying, uh, on the phone this came in, I was forced to retire from my job in retail because of relentless bullying. My husband had to drive me into work because I'd be too physically sick at the thought of what was ahead of me. I'd be sick at home thinking of the next day. In fact, I'm shaking now even thinking about it. What Quiva said about micromanaging is so right. That's what happened to me. Manager would sit right next to you or sit behind you and it would make you feel so nervous that you'd make a mistake. 
And let me tell you, it is rampant in supermarkets and in retail. Oh, I hate micromanagement. I absolutely hate micromanagement. So I, I can identify which. Thankfully, we don't get much of it in this building at all. Never get it actually. But it's a horrible thing. I hate it. I hate being micromanaged. Um, yeah. Another thing I don't like, and you maybe like beyond this, if you have something to say to me about the quality of my work or or what I did for you, then say it to me. Don't send someone else to do it. Don't be sending anyone to tell me something that you wouldn't come to my face and tell me yourself. And I know that happens a lot in retail too. So, thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, last year was a very interesting year in the hotels industry because with COVID in the rearview mirror, I, I don't say gone because it isn't gone yet um, and will be with us as part of our every winter, I suspect, for quite a long time to come. But with COVID in the rearview mirror, at least, and the restrictions gone, uh, the Hotel Federation was looking forward to a, a bumper year and they didn't get that. And there was a bit of messing going on. There were some awful prices being charged. I remember discussing that on the programme, doing some research on it. Uh, the cost of going somewhere and staying in a hotel just became, a lot of the time, not all the time, a lot of the time became unsustainable. And then you had to look at it and say, well, well, why is that happening? And one of the reasons given was the energy crisis and the astonishing, soaring cost of electricity and gas and other such things. So what is facing the hotels industry into 2023? I'm joined by uh, Joe Kennedy, chair of the uh, Cork the Irish Hotels Federation uh, locally. Joe, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, PJ. Uh, hope you're well and happy. Happy New Year to you. Indeed. And, and, uh, and your listeners. You. Same to yourself and, and all of your colleagues. <clears throat> Joe, it was a funny old year, 2022, uh, with COVID in the rearview mirror. We all thought, well, or the hotel industry thought, well, okay, we can get back now to, to running our businesses. Exactly. And then we had a exactly, war broke yeah. out. Exactly. PJ, look, no, no different than other industries at the moment. There's lots of challenges around, lots of challenges around in life in general. But um, <clears throat> for the last three years, for the the hotel industry in particular, it's it's definitely been challenging. And I suppose 2022 was the was the positive of the last three, um, and it certainly taught us a lot of lessons as we reflect back on the year. It's um, you know our industry over the years, I suppose, to something dramatically happens every ten years. I'm, I'm a long time in the industry myself, so um, we're very resilient and flexible. Um, and I, I get it that you know obviously from a from a, a, a time of opening last year in January, that this the, our industry is only in a rebuild process, really, and recovery. Yeah. And um, when we got that sort of clear <clears throat> goalpost, uh, open goal, you call it, from the end of January last year, we really did think, it, along with um, the entire hospitality industry, that <clears throat> our troubles were over the last two years of COVID and lockdowns. And we we remember times of uh, masking up and um, mm. uh, 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 chicken wings have to be ordering, you know, uh, we, we really came through the, 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 the wires in it. So I think of the last three, definitely last year was our more positive. Um, and we can only look forward from that. Yeah, it was it was positive. But Joe, in many cases, the prices just became, I will use the word, extortionate. Yeah, and, and look, I, I, I get that, and it's been at the Oireachtas a number of times during during last year, and <clears throat> prices across the board. Like as a federation, we're not we're not we're not here to to everybody's pricing is very different, so we don't really uh, comment too much. But I, I can only say from a hotelier myself, I'm a general manager of a hotel for twenty. 
21 years now mm. and pricing the pricing model in hotels is very <clears throat> similar to airlines I suppose really um, and there is no doubt about it that that uh, prices in the industry have gone up mm. um, in, in Cork alone our average uh, uh, price for a hotel room has has uh, gone by gone up by 25% but that's that's compared to 2019 but PJ none of these costs I suppose um, like the majority of hotel hoteliers want to supply value, but you know that the the ones that do charge above and beyond is 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 something that, that I I don't support personally myself. Mm. But mm. Um, it's 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 hassled by sorry I suppose the the background of 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 us opening up last year we did commit to a lot of background demands from holding on to prices from 2020 to 2021 mm. in particular I suppose groups that came in from abroad which we were delighted to see back uh, concerts that were held out and I suppose maybe Dublin came out the worst of those those extortionate prices mm. um, Cork is. Is is reasonably I would definitely chime in with you there because they, I would have gone to we would go away now not not Cork but Kerry we, we would go away at New Year traditionally myself and and, and the wife and my and my boy and mm. the place we would go to the price this year was the same as last year so you know it, yeah. it is there to be had there is value there to be had and plenty of it. Do- there is, I suppose, and, and what's what what we had from last year, I suppose, um, coming into March and April in particular, was the, the, the reality of the cost of doing business. Yes. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I run a 101 bedroom hotel here in uh, Malden and Shandon. I can only give you exact figure of our, 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 our I suppose, our utilities cost, electricity and gas last year were 480,000. Yes. And that was compared to 120,000 in 2019. Mm. So there's a 300%. Yeah. Something's well, in general, you're, you're, you're always caught at the sort of the balance of making sure that you're trying to give value and service to our customers or service. The, the industry, thank God, has got into a, um, an opening uh, run now with no lockdowns and people can celebrate again. We can celebrate. We can we can show that how how hosp- our in, our industry is world famous for for being for hospitality. Mm. Um, but there is there is a there is a challenge. Um, the, the the government we are calling on the government to to keep the current VAT rate at nine uh, percent. Yeah, that's due to go up when next month. No. It's it's due to go up at the end of February, um, um, the twenty eighth of February, along with other. Um, um, uh, temporary VAT measures that were brought in to, to to help out industries, but there is a reality of the the the, the a lot of industries and businesses, small businesses in particular. Um, if you're running a restaurant now, in particular, it's very hard with the amount of um, uh, costs that are coming at them. Um, and the nine percent would cover in restaurants as well to keep it at that. So it's not just the mm. the Irish Hotel Federation, the Restaurant Association of Ireland, and the Vintners Federation of Ireland are also wanting to maintain that nine percent. Mm, yeah, a lot, a lot of people would like it to be maintained. Joe, in in terms of pre and post COVID, for want of a better expression, mm. is it my imagination, or there are there things that had to be taken away with COVID that may not have come back? I'm thinking in particular of, say, a hot buffet breakfast rather than ordering. It's just a small little mm. thing, but I used to love the the hot buffet breakfast and you go and make your selection. That doesn't seem to have come back post post COVID. Another thing that doesn't seem to be yeah. there is residence bars. There seems to be very few of them around. So did things yeah, that had to be done away with did yeah, things I think I think um, as an industry, I think people in their own individual businesses learned a lot of what they what they can supply and and not supply. Um, in general, buffets are all back. You know, there's no there should be no reason why there's not. We run a very successful buffet in our own hotel and hotel company. Um, residence bar, in my own opinion, uh, PJ, I think they're a thing of the past. 
I think that um, even in my own hotel, I rarely rarely would have people um, up late after 11, 11 p.m. Mm. We're a smaller hotel. We don't have a function business, I suppose. But I, I generally think residence bar are, are... I think it came as well, PJ, when people were went out early in the lockdowns and they got... They were home by 10 o'clock and, mm. you know, a lot of different uh, habits came into it. But it really on the other side of residence bar, we're very particular in having our, we're, we're not wanting our, our, our staff to be working that late at night. And, yes, you know, that. we want to make it a better environment. And if, if people are dealing with a residence bar, as much as it, it, it's, um, it can be challenge, it can be a challenging environment for any um uh, member of staff to work in so as uh, just on a personal level i i don't really um we don't practice a residence bar because mm. of those elements and yeah it, there, there's really I, I, not even so much a residence bar joe but someone mm. who is staying in a hotel like yours or any other and arrives yeah. in maybe mm. half 11 quarter to 12 and the hotel bar is closed and would like to take a pint up to their bedroom that seems to be gone in some places too yeah, well, it shouldn't be. There should be that access to be able to maybe to, to provide a refreshment for yeah. for somebody of that concern. The majority of places would, uh, PJ. Would do that. There's definitely, they would do it. But yeah. uh, there, there is items from the COVID lockdowns that, that, that the industry has taken on to sort of, to, to relook at. But that's, 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 that's you know, we learn something yeah. new every year. Indeed, indeed. All right, listen, Joe, I wish everyone uh, in, in the industry All right, PJ. Uh, the best of a And can I just say personally there, um, um, sympathies to your yourself and your team and to the family of Paddy Pam great character great great um great listening to a match and hearing his uh, his his uh, vocals on it so sympathies to you all there pj thank you joe he was he was much loved not just in this building but but around the city and county indeed the country thank you that's joe kennedy who is chair of the uh, core chair of the hotels federation and well, I sincerely hope we won't get any of the the carry on that we got last summer with uh, uh, hotel prices being three times what they'd been the previous summer. I sincerely hope we won't get that. 0818 96 96 96. Now thanks to Joe for mentioning, uh, so kindly mentioning uh, our party. Uh, we started the the morning paying a tribute to our colleague and friend. Um, he passed away at the weekend. But we'll finish also by listening back to his wonderful style one more time. His death has had a huge impact, though, of on GA fans in particular uh, across the city and across the county and indeed up and down the country. Many national names, as we heard earlier on, paid tribute to him over the weekend. Finbar, good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. You've great memories of listening to him. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm old enough to remember the great Miara here and Miara Marahartig and others. Yes. But I really would put party among those great broadcasters. He had this way of Look, you could get a match with four goals, nine pints to one pint, but he had this knack of making it exciting. That's right. As if it was only one pint between them. And never said a, an, an unkind word to a player. Actually, he was quite funny. One particular incident I remember was Cockle um, Ben Kelly. I don't know what it was the league or the championship, but Kelly Ben got the ball and caught the forward, and he hit it. It went about two yards wide, but he, he went into the umpire and convinced he got the pint. And Paddy said, sure, he's doing some kind of a dance up there with the umpires. <laughs> he's, he said, he said I tell you, I, I, there's no better boy than a carryman for a joke. But he, he has his cotton cap on him at the moment. To this way, there's an open gate. To it, that's the way he said things, you know. That's right. I, you, I gave up watching television matches if Paddy Palmer was broadcasting. And, 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 and John, 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 John Cashman. Yeah, yeah as well. Yeah. You know, and Tom Nottingham. I gave up because... 
they were they were in entertainment along when we listened to the match, you know. Well, funny that you should say that because you know when TG Cahar Finbar began to broadcast county matches. Yeah. Um, what I often did, and my dad did, God rest him, and, and many more that I know would turn down the telly. Yeah. And maybe pause it for the pitchers to catch up with the sound and put Paddy on. And sure, with pitchers, you realise, what, what, what match is Paddy watching? Cause I, but he had a way all that, of his exactly. own. Exactly. I, I, the, the, uh, two, uh, the, the, well, 2010 final, Cock and Lone. I it was, on, it was on in my front room, but I went out the back with the radio. And they listened to the match and said, and the excitement was unnatural. Right. That was just cockroach by a point in the end. But, right. And you ever noticed that no score was an ordinary score? Every score. Oh, extraordinary oh, score. Oh, well, the best up, score of all time. I That's right. <laughs> I remember listening to him doing a match. I was out in on, on holidays in Spain and I wanted to hear the match and I got it on my phone down by the pool. <laughs> and there was a couple of lads down next to me who happened to be from the appro- the opposing county. Oh yeah! <laughs> and we listened to party, and we were focused on his every word. And he was just he was just brilliant. He's brilliant, brilliant, he, brilliant. He just kept and he'd never say a player did a bad foul. No, but he'd often say at times with the referee. I'm not sure sure what colour this may be, you know. He never said the red, he never said the no, yellow, no. until it was done. That's right. That's right. Finbar, he will be he will be missed and it will be it, it for for my colleagues especially and friends in, in C one oh three, facing into a season of GA commentary and Finbar spoke to me facing into a season without party and walking into commentary boxes without party is going to be very hard for them. And we'll think of them. Let us listen. One more time to the voice of our big match commentator, Paddy Palmer. And Ian's own habit. They're two points behind, two minutes in it, and they have an opportunity here with Reno. And it's dropped in by Reno Regan into the goal mode area. There's a yellow man coming out, but he breaks away and a shot aside in the back of the net. Ian's own of a goal hit the post on the way in. Would you believe that Ian's own have got a goal at a crucial, crucial stage of the game? And uh, that one into the back of the net, and that score coming 58 minutes in it. And now we've got it. They're a point ahead, a point ahead after that particular effort. And would you believe it? The top 29 year old Shane Murphy, who won it all Ireland minor medal will cock away back and there's a big dropping one in here but unfortunately it's a wide ball and the score remains and the linesman so Shane Murphy you see the hero for whatever hour they will have the 65 is dropped in what can they do with it all of Aaron's zone are in around the house it would be impossible the referee has blown the full time whistle and what an incredible game of falling has come to an end the final score and the county champions are Aaron zone Aaron zone one goal and 30 points Gallant Kilshanig three goals and 20 points it was a thriller and it was a pleasure and for the moment it's back to you in the studio Rory there you go the great party Palmer handing back to Rory Bork in C103 studios funeral arrangements for a party will be updated this evening on RIP.ie our thoughts are with his wife Colette his daughters Claire and Emily his blubbered grandkids and all who knew and loved Paddy. May he rest in peace. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.